0: M- Merkel Media.
1: then we get back to looking at the sasquatch he tells uh brad to go inside they happen to be photographers and have their own dark room you know it's back then it was film he says go get your cameras we're gonna make the alien autopsy look like nothing mm. and uh they proceeded to take pictures a bunch of pictures of them and then decided to cut them open and, uh, and he had his hunting knife, and uh, Bill cut him open, and his guts fell out all over the place. But That's probably because he was in the water. I immediately puked. This was all circulating around the base that a giant had been killed, but no one was supposed to talk about it. I saw three long, bony fingers reach up underneath the door, curl up to grab it, and then disappear.
0: When he came over to me, Dude, he slithered over to me.
2: And this giant comes out of the cave, and they're all frozen. And he starts running and firing at this giant. Well the giant moves. He's got a spear in one hand, and he's running really fast. And spears Dan, and holds him up like this. Somebody else shoot him in the face. Shoot him in the face. They basically decapitate him got closer, got closer, got closer. When he got about 15 yards away from me, I raised that 12 gauge and I blow this head off. I feel something pulling at my leg. And I look over and there are two small gray entities pulling at me. And they're literally, I'm getting pulled off the bed. I reach my hand into this bush and I touch air. Couldn't breathe and I couldn't move because I know I'm seeing a monster.
1: Yeah.
0: Welcome to the show, everybody you're listening to The Confessionals. I'm your host, Tony Merkel. Thanks for being here. If you have a crazy wild experience you want to share with me on the show, go ahead and shoot me an email. My email address is the confessionals at the That's the confessionals at the Or go to the website, theconfessionalspodcast.com. Hit the contact section and you can reach me that way as well. Either way it works for me, just get a hold of me. If you want to hear more shows on a weekly basis, you can go to the hit the join button and become a member. There you're going to get access to all the member shows that come out on Thursdays and you get access to the Tuesday shows ad-free and all overtime segments just like today because today is an overtime show and it should be fitting that isn't an overtime show because today is episode 500. That's right. I've been doing it for 500 episodes and I can't believe... We have made it this long, but we have, and I really wasn't even sure if we'd have anything you know, out of the ordinary special for episode 500. I really wasn't trying too hard to make the stars align, and lo and behold, the stars aligned Today, we got Randy coming on the show, and I'll tell you, friends, Randy and I know each other from before the confessionals existed. When I was just a guy that ran a Facebook group called Pennsylvania Sasquatch Research, I went to the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, and I met Randy there. And Randy told me his story about encountering Bigfoot as a kid. And back then, I quite honestly didn't know what to make of the story. I was really new to the topic of Bigfoot. I was still trying to get my bearings straight. And he tells me this fantastic story. And at the same time, he was coming underneath a lot of pressure because a lot of people were saying they didn't believe him. And you could tell when he was telling me the story back then, he's like, this guy doesn't believe me and I don't care. And that wasn't the case at all. I just didn't know what to make of it because I was so new at everything. Well, fast forward five, six years later, we are having Randy on the show. Finally, Randy makes his appearance on the show. I can't believe it. I knew this guy since before the confessionals even existed, and he's just now getting on the show, but nobody better to be on the show than Randy for episode 500 and his extraordinary encounter of when he was a kid, him and his buddy encountering a juvenile Sasquatch befriending this thing. And ultimately, this thing winds up dying, being shot and killed, and the government gets involved. There's a big cover-up. There's people, including Randy, who are hypnotized to forget this situation. The only problem is Randy's memories came back. So let's get Randy on right now to tell us his memories. All right, today we got an in-studio guest. We have Randy. What's going on, man? Hey, um, just got here in Tennessee. Yeah. Um, so uh, <laughs> tell the... Uh, all right, so Randy, let me just, I guess we'll introduce you this way. Um, I met you, I think, in 2016 all right. at the Ohio, Ohio Bigfoot Big Fo- yeah. Conference. Yeah, yeah. So the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, uh, I'm there and... Uh, you and i start talking i was running the the Pennsylvania Sasquatch research group yep. and uh there wasn't a whole lot of research going on in that group uh, i don't know how it is these days i got your t-shirt though yeah <laughs> i i i uh i i came across uh that t-shirt when i was moving down here and uh it didn't fit oh, okay. <laughs> it didn't fit uh but um so you and I started talking and you started telling me uh your experience and I remember back then there was a couple things going on. So one it was loud and I had a hard time hearing you. Yeah, it was loud there. And so I was getting pieces of the story. On top of that I was uh I, I wasn't a podcaster yet. I had um uh I I had started this podcast January 2017. And so I didn't have a platform to really put this story on, and I forget what it was. It was a few months ago. It might have been the the Bob Gimlin video that came out with you. Uh, I think it was because there was a lot of people sending me this video, and usually when somebody sends me a video, like I don't have time to watch tons of
3: videos. <laughs> like don't I
0: just have a don't lot of time do you? No, and, and so I, I just kind of like I just do my thing, and and just okay, thanks. Uh, but then, what what my my sign is this? When I have like five, six, seven, eight, ten people yeah. sending me a video all in a short period of time, I'm like, okay, maybe I should check this out. And when I checked it out, it was you, and I'm like, <laughs> I I know this guy. Like I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm like, this is really, I know this guy. And so I got on Facebook, and I'm like, we're friends. Ah ah, and I started click the con- dots started connecting, and I was like surely I had him on the show before. And, uh, and so I remember I reached out to him like, were you ever on the show? And you're like, no, I'm like, oh, that's such a fail on my part. (laughs) And so we've been trying to schedule this for months now. And here you are in Tennessee to tell your, your experience. Um, before we get into your experience though, are you still running your research group? Yes, I am. Okay. So tell the people
1: what it's called and, and what it's all about. Oh, it's Midwest Bigfoot researchers and it's, uh, primarily just myself and uh this other guy brandon calls himself dango he goes with me whenever he gets a chance off of work uh uh occasionally i'll take some other people but it's it's uh just solely been myself yeah and i've uh you know just searching for the answers and uh whatever i need to find myself and i and i got involved in some uh people called me up for some real investigations and it just uh it just took off because, uh, I didn't expect it to, I didn't have any idea that it was, uh, you know, when, especially when they picked the name for, you know, Midwest Michigan, which is what I thought. And then we ended up going from, you know, Michigan all the way to Florida and every state in between and, uh, and some of the neighboring states and, uh, and it, it just grew and grew and grew. We'll get to that later, but, um, yeah, um, yeah it's been a really strange trip and it was, <laughs> 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 I mean, like 2016, when I met you, um. I I just remembered bits and pieces of, of uh my encounters as a child uh from the barn and there was actually more uh that returned to my memory because I was hypnotized and forgot about it we'll get to that too but um yeah that was that was an interesting um so so in 2016
0: when you met me you and I were talking yeah. um you you were that was like I guess the beginning stages of your memories and everything like that is that right?
1: Yeah, I was just like uh, a couple of years into remembering. It. I think it was okay. 20, 2014 when I first remembered. And uh, um, I, actually, when I first remembered, I thought it was a movie. I didn't know what it was because it came back in chunks and it just seemed really real, but like I couldn't remember anything. It was really, really bizarre to have these memories come back. And it was uh, my dad was still alive. My mother was uh, been dead since 2004, but I finally confronted my dad about it. You know, I, um, our family had issues and just, you know, everything fell apart because of the, the encounters and what the government did to, her. Uh, I'll get to that. But, um, there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, me seeing my parents much when I was, you know, growing up, um, after, after that, and, uh, I didn't see him a whole lot. When my dad finally came out and after I asked him directly, just before he died, I mean, literally died after he told me like two days after it was really strange. Um, um so was my mother's death, but uh he cleared up a lot of it, and you know um that kind of like got me going to where well, I'm not imagining this stuff and uh I started to go find witnesses and getting getting little bits and pieces from other witnesses and uh finding out that you know most of the kids back then who were involved were hypnotized with the um the mothers not the not the fathers, the fathers were threatened. Um, I'll get to that too and what they're threatened. Oh my gosh. Okay. So
0: I'm really excited to talk to you about this. Um, And it's starting to make sense now because my, so I don't remember a whole lot of stuff. Like uh, just in general, I I have very limited bandwidth anymore, you know, Um, and when I was when I was sitting back thinking about our first experience, my my encounter with you uh, was meeting you, meeting you. Not encounter. You're not a bigfoot. Um, so, maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, if so, we have you on camera. <laughs> but um, we. Uh, I remember talking to you, and and I don't remember exactly what you said, but it, it, I, my memory, if my memory serves me right, it, it, I I felt like you. You were struggling with people not believing you at that time oh, because yeah. before the, I that, remember that you, time
1: when, when when was there. Um, I I met before that and down in Florida and uh, spent a couple of days with him down there and uh, he just basically told me straight up that he was just and that he was a human lie detector and he could tell when people were making stuff up and he just thought I was just making stuff up. Oh man! And uh, when I went to uh, that. Conference with you in 2016, and I had dinner with, him and mm-hmm. he came over and sat with me, and everything like that was all excited about it. I told him my whole encounter, and, and uh you know, he stood up, and that was that was kind of a cool moment when he stood up, and all the researchers were there. For, I don't know if you're there. He's going like, oh, "This is a real researcher. This guy is really cool. These guys are." Awesome. Oh wow, that's cool! And in front of everybody, and like after that, he went talk to me He just had a little talk to him. Uh, <laughs> uh, there's a video of talking about that that I have. A little bit of a clip that um all right well
0: i so officially i'm not trying to drum up drama here between anybody here so uh i I, but i i brought that up because um i remember personally feeling like uh you had you had that that experience with people because i think i feel like you you said something like if you don't believe me i don't care or something like that and i'm just like i i don't not believe you like you know what i mean well even
1: Uh, then there wasn't a whole lot of, uh, encounters out there like mine and sure. all there is a lot of people have just, you know, come out of the woodwork with it. And I know of other people that had similar childhood encounters. And, uh, I even, I even one time in Kentucky, um, I had two other guys with me and we're, uh, taking back roads across the state as we usually do from our, uh, spots that research, research. We don't like to take the highways. We went by this little store and this lady had this, um, a homemade ghillie suit out front and she saw my mark truck and she thought we're from finding bigfoot (laughs) and uh when we walked in she the first thing she started talking about was her son going out playing with uh an orangutan out by this dam out in the woods and it was swinging from tree to tree and Mm. how he played with it and she told him and like these two guys that are with you know been hearing my story the whole time and their mouths are just like i had got it on audio i recorded her talking about it and uh from time to time I come across uh, other encounters like that. And like I said, I still got a couple of witnesses that I gotta go find. If you know one of one of the addresses that I got that I looked up didn't come with a phone number, so I gotta drive all the way over there to look for this guy. But he's one of the kids that uh that played with him too and uh hopefully he'll open up about it. Now the other the other kids were all hypnotized, uh the ones in the in the barn in- encounters and uh they're all in politics. Interesting. All right, so
0: we're we're let's get let's get into it then. Um, we're gonna uh, I we, I told you before we started recording, uh, there is no time limit. The only right. time limit is we might have to stop to actually uh, pull the SD cards and and clean them off and put them back in the cameras. Yeah. Um, and just for people to understand, before we get into this, uh, right now uh, it, this is not traditional. I usually don't do my interviews on video a whole lot, just because, or let's put it this way. I usually always do my video, my interviews on video, but I rarely put them out on YouTube because I don't have time. Uh, but I, I with you here in studio, I'm really going to try to get it put on YouTube. So if you're listening right now, you want to watch this interview, uh, it is on YouTube. And if it's not, I apologize in advance. <laughs> so, um, but let's let's get into this then because. Um, your childhood story is something that you uh, are memories that you had to recover, but uh, it involves you and and other people essentially in a relationship with uh, a juvenile sasquatch. Yep. And so, from this point forward, I want you to share your story. Uh, and 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 uh, how you remember it, and I just want to tell you, um, the, the, the piggybacking off the comment you mentioned, just said a few minutes ago, uh, somebody's got to be a whipping boy, uh, and and you you were that. Uh, and, you know, my friend Wes at Sasquatch Chronicles, uh, he was a whipping boy. Um, and since, since he's come out talking about the spider crawl, other people have had encounters. I had a lady on my show who um, she was telling me her haunting stories. She brings on her sister-in-law who tells us how she had this experience where this, this creature was walking like a spider on all four and uh, it looks back at her, like almost like the way it turned its head was almost inhuman and it was walking up a, a, a mountainside and it was like 30 miles away from where Wes had his encounter and she had no idea who Wes was. She didn't know who I was. She That's never heard. Cool. And she, she didn't even want to call uh. Bigfoot because she's like, I don't know what it was and you guys keep wanting to call Bigfoot. We're like, yeah, just trust us. But uh, I just wanted to say... Um, when you come out, when you or Wes or anybody else comes out with extraordinary experiences, um, naturally most people don't want to believe it because it scares them and exactly. it pushes them off of their traditional way of thinking. So, uh, you, Wes, and there's been other people throughout history who have been, it, Bob Gamelin was a whipping boy, you know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. so
1: he told me about that stuff personally,
0: he's yeah. really tore his life up. So, um, let's get into it, Sh- uh, share with me and the audience, uh, the story that made you a whipping boy. I mean, how did this all start start out for you as far as, uh, was it just like you were having
1: dreams and that's how memories started coming back or what? Um, no, the memories just started coming back just regular during the daytime. I, okay. didn't have any, I didn't have any dreams. I'm a lucid dreamer and I can control my dreams anyway. So um, I, I just started to have the memories like I, I thought, uh, thought there were movie uh, chunks or something like that for some movie I didn't see because... Uh, It was so realistic and so vivid and so real. I was like, uh, what is this? And then, you know, I started seeing a little bit more and I saw that it was in my barn because the first memories that came back were the barn encounters where uh, this juvenile Sasquatch had um, started showing up after we moved to this house. Um, We moved to the house in October of 1976. So I didn't really play in the barns until the following year. So that's, you know, the summer and spring was when Everything started happening, happen, but it started before that, um, at a lake called Strawberry Lake, which is in Everett, Michigan, which is ended up being about a mile or uh, an hour and a half north from uh where we'd moved to from Grand Rapids. And uh I'm saying that uh this is the same Sasquatch. I just uh there's there's no way that can be two Sasquatches that I've had friends with. They did too many similar things, and I, I put it together, uh, after I'd, uh, and, and the weird thing is about the memories of the Strawberry Lake came after the, the, um, because it was so much earlier, I don't know, but, like, um, it was, it was two years earlier, I was eight years old, and it happened at Strawberry Lake, and, uh, where am I going with this? I forgot. It, it was just bizarre the way it came back, because it didn't make any sense, it didn't come back in order whatsoever, and, uh, um, I've never been normal, I guess, because, uh, you know, I've been hypnotized to forget about this. So I don't know what normal memory recall is like the, uh, the, what I did was, um, when I started recalling a lot of this stuff is I got a hold of a therapist that, uh, somebody, uh, ho- hooked me up with from, uh, Georgia, the, um, uh, I forget his name, It um, uh, it was a museum down in Georgia, um, Bigfoot museum. Anyway, he hooked me up with this uh, hypnotherapist, and he told me uh, um, a method, how to remember stuff. is like uh, the fragment that you remember uh, that's vivid, you have to remember just before what happened, just before what happened afterwards, just before and just, and then you do that repetitiously to the memory that you re- recall before that, and then you open it before that and then after, and then it opens up. But it, it's not something that's... Uh, that you can do quickly. It took me years to remember everything. Sometimes it would come back in blocks, but um, I eventually remembered the Strawberry Lake stuff. What was weird about it was I had the footage the whole time, and I never because it was so it was on a Super 8 film, and it was on the on the reels, and I didn't get them transferred over, and I had these things the whole time, and I never really took a close look at them until I got them cleaned up, and then I could see what was on there, and then my memory just went kabam like that. And I started going up there, I think it was twenty nineteen to Strawberry Lake and the campground's not there anymore and there's houses on the lake. But there's a whole bunch of state land behind it. So I would go camp back there and go walk over the lake through the woods and uh go back to the my encounter areas. And that was opening all sorts of memories. And uh that helped a lot and I was getting a lot of encounters there. I've got it on video. Um, uh, you know, that's later that i can talk about um of course i had the when i was getting a lot of them on video when i first started going up there i had the old gopros um had issues with um when i see them up on a tree i saw a couple of juveniles i got this on on my channel and uh, when you look up at the sun the sun's behind them you can't hardly see the you know the subject in the tree because of the, the sun blocking it out but this these new gopros will not do that but the old ones had a little little bit of an issue and i thought it was. Most people, oh, it's a tree knot. It's not a tree knot. Um, it's not a tree growth. And I saw it from a long ways away. I saw it climb up there and I had my GoPro, but I what I started doing early off was like putting them on the front and the back and just going back and reviewing the video. Um I'll get to that. But uh Strawberry Lake, that starts off in nineteen seventy five when I was eight years old. Um before I got to Strawberry Lake that year, uh my family took me, or it wasn't my immediate family, it was my uh um, my aunt and some of my cousins were related to Tarzan Zubini, uh, and this is in the winter, and we went to go see the, the circus, um, and uh, since we're related to them, we got in behind, you know, the scenes when they're setting up, and I get to ride some elephants and play with some chimps there, and that's the key thing to everything, to my whole attitude towards the chimps. Because when we got to Strawberry Lake, um, later that year, um, you know, me being eight years old and loving the outdoors, I would, the first thing I would do is get out of the car, go run down to the lake and, uh, go try to find snakes, frogs, any wildlife. I just, you know, love that stuff. So, um, I was seeing all sorts of things there that I didn't know existed, you know, like porcupines, beavers, cougars, bobcats, you know, there's like, so there's monkeys in the woods. Um, (laughs) makes perfect sense <laughs> that year we went two different times we went there i think early in june for like a, a longer weekend but um that's when i first started seeing them uh and the the logging incident happened i think that time um and it was a short visit my and, and when we were going home my parents still didn't believe me about it they just thought i was seeing raccoons or something like that there's no there's no monkeys in the woods um but I was seeing them popping out. And they're they're following me around and stuff like that. And it was uh, four juveniles. Two of them, um, about the same size as me, and two of them that were really small. No, we, we um, we returned later. We found out that other people were seeing them. I get to that in a minute. But when I when I first started seeing them, um, the the biggest thing that happened that time with the first visit, the logging incident thing, there was two different logging incidents. One I wasn't there for, and this one I was there for. Um. I wanted to go around the lake, and I've been there like two years there before, and I don't know if there's any encounters that happened then. I don't remember. As um, far as I know, there wasn't. But what was going on behind the lake, which I think displaced the Sasquatch, is there were logging on this other side of the lake. There was like a um, a big swamp that was called Old Strawberry Lake, and on the other side of that in the state land, they're logging the, um, the birch trees and uh, the pines and stuff like that. When they get too old, they'll take them down in certain sections out there And I think that displaced the Sasquatch, honestly, because what happened next? I wanted to go walk around the lake, and my dad just got uh, a new canoe, and he was out fishing in it. And there was was, um, a trail that went all around the lake that was, you know, full of campers that was along the lake shore. And for some reason, my dad decided I was there long enough. And I was, you know, times were different back then. I was eight years old, and he was going to watch me go around the lake as he fished and I was supposed to stay on that trail. But when I got to the the part of the lake which would be the, the west side of the lake to where the um uh the swamp was back there and there wasn't very many campers back there that that time. So there was a bunch of empty camping spots and I started getting up there and they were walking alongside of me. You know, and I I didn't think anything. I was a stupid eight-year-old, like, oh these are monkeys, you know. <laughs> I went back there and I played with them in the in the in the um the ferns for a while and just walked around the back of this swamp we played hide and go seek for i don't know how long in these ferns and we climbed a tree i was leaning over um over part of the swamp there and this all happened really it seemed like it happened really quickly but i was told i was gone for three and a half hours i can't even put together more than 40 minutes of it because i walked around the whole lake after this but i saw the logging equipment back there after we were Messing around with the other stuff. And I wanted to go. I was eight years old. I wanted to go check out the equipment. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I went out and one was locked. The front end loader was locked. But the um, the crane bulldozer type thing was open. So I, I got in there, you know. And I wasn't one of those kids. And I, I'm i not making up excuses. I didn't do any damage to this thing. I got in there and and, and I just started playing around a little bit. And, you know, not really moving the levers around a lot, but just making car noises. You know, I thought I was... You know, just playing around. I wasn't in there for more than a few seconds, and uh, um, this one juvenile Sasquatch pushes me out of the way and gets on the, that seat and starts grabbing those those levers and not making any verbal sounds. He grabs them with his feet and his arm, his hand. And he's going like this and just pulls one of them things out. I don't know if the, like there was a set screw in the bottom of it or something, wow. but he pulled the whole thing out and he starts beating the freaking instrument panel and beating the freaking. The inside of this, you know, this cabin and this freaking uh, bulldozer thing or a crane. And, uh, I'm freaking out because I know it's loud enough to where the campers are going to hear it. And I'm I'm like, I was eight years old going like, I'm going to get blamed for this. I can at least think that while I got out of there, I didn't know what they were doing. There's another one that was, uh, got up on top of it and they were both beating the crap thing, just smashing the crap out of the logging equipment. And I got out of there as fast as I could you know, and I went around. To where uh, the other side of the swamp was back to the trail where I was supposed to be. And there was a guy standing there. And he goes like, what's going on back there? Do you come back there? Are you doing that? And he's like, he's, I got the newspaper article from this too. I found it. There was a newspaper article written about it? Yes. What, what, so what was it? Like kid the log, destroys? Yeah, kids, it, the, the exact wording. I've got it on my phone too. I can show you it later. And it says, um, um second logging incident uh blamed on two uh, teenagers from Flint. um. And the witness said that the two teenagers were barefoot, wearing all black with hoodies on, because they left tracks, right? And wow. I was barefoot too. And like uh, this was on on the weekend, so the logging guys weren't there until Monday, right? We were going to leave on, like, I think it was like a Monday afternoon or something like that. So they got back and they actually um, questioned me about it and brought me down there, and they saw the the my prints fit the other ones were a little bit bigger. And uh, it just so happened, the other friend that I made there, his name was Randy, too, but he was uh, he was 11, and I was 8. And um, they blamed on him and his friend um, because they didn't like him. They were hippies, and they were a part of a nudist colony. And there was a cop that would go out there. Back uh, in the 70s. Yeah, it, yeah, that was the 70s thing. And uh, there was a cop that would stay out there um, camping with his son on the weekends, and he didn't like them. And I became... Uh, entangled with this this thing to where he didn't you know like these people and i was hanging around with him that that leaded him to blaming him and this kid for everything that happened out there wow and that's what the newspaper article says too but um that was that happened in the, the first visit that i went in june and we came back in august and we stayed a whole week out there and when we got back the parents finally found out you know who my mom did i think it was um he's my Oh, but it was my dad because my dad started hanging around my with them. Uh, my mom started hanging around with my friend's mom and my dad started uh, fishing with uh, my friend's dad. And he would take off. And uh, they were still mentioning, you know, my mom said something about me seeing monkeys in the woods. And this other lady goes like, I haven't found this article and it's out there yet. I got to go all the way back to Everett and look through all the microfiche again there because I don't know exactly when it was. And the article, she pulled out of there. She's going like, no, this is a aren't ch- these aren't he's not seeing stuff there's a chimp there these this circus came through here and we think they lost a chimp when they came through here and because they they had all their equipment and they they were going from uh, one town to the other and they stayed there the year before or something like that and she showed my mom the article and it said strawberry lake um our kids playing with a lost chimp i'm looking for this article yet hopefully i can find it wow. and uh when it, when i came back um, uh, just this, this, my, my friend's mom's telling me that, or telling my mom this, and I'm sitting at the picnic table. My other friend's up by the lakeshore or something like that. Just a little ways away. My, uh, my dad and, uh, his dad were out fishing and we're just sitting there and, and uh, my friend's mother named him Sammy. I mean, this is the same Sasquatch that has two names now. <laughs> when I get, get to it later, my, uh, um, later years that he's named Mike because, uh, the other neighbor kid just, you know, named him that, but. Anyway, she decided that his name was Sammy. We're sitting there and she tells my mom this and 50 feet away, there's a tree that she leaves bananas and apples. Um, and he comes up there and they could see him. You know, My mom's going, oh, my son's not crazy. <laughs> That's when my mom decided to try to get him on video. And all she had was that super eight, eight millimeter, like little tiny video. And, and uh, I do have footage of me with uh, sitting in the canoe on a lakeshore, on the lakeshore and the canoes on the on the half in the water and, and half out of the water. And he's sitting there next to me, outside of the canoe with his arm around me. And uh, there was a couple other ones next to The Bigfoot? To, yeah, the juvenile Bigfoot, yeah. Wow. Sammy. And uh, she got done on video, but it was blurry, of course. And um, that was because I think she tried to hurry and grab it. And She said she was lying on the ground and stuff, trying to take the footage. I remember her talking about that. I remember her being really depressed. It was it was blurry. Well, it, went, it was so blurry, I remember really looked at it much. You can almost not even see it until I took it in my computer and I uh, edited it in my computer editor, cleaned it up the best that I could. And you could see the outline. You could see his hand on my shoulder and everything his arm going around my shoulder, but he's got his head down and it's, uh, doesn't have any detail on it, but you can see the silhouette of him and you can see my mom move the camera up. And when the the other ones run up the tree right next to me, there was a birch tree. And, uh, my dad and, uh, my friend's dad never saw him the the adult the adult males couldn't see him because they probably didn't trust the adult males. I don't know, but my mom and my friend's mom would see him, but they couldn't approach him. And when I did get back, my friend and uh that was there the whole summer said he was playing with them the whole summer. And uh there's and there's other times to where <laughs> we didn't go swimming and of course we're we're probably naked or something like that. And they're a little roped off section there and I was eight years old. I didn't care. We're out there playing in the water, and I, this is something I remember real distinctly. It just There wasn't a whole lot of interaction between us all you know, and maybe this kid played with them even more than I did, but, uh, you know, they would hide all the time if somebody would walk along the trail. So they would they would pop out, you know, and we'd see them for a little bit of time, and uh, then they would hide, and we didn't know why they did that. We, didn't, we just thought they were chimps, you know? Yeah. And uh, <laughs> there was one time where... Um, he pops out, Sammy pops out, and this other friend of mine, his name is Randy, too. He goes like, oh, hey, Sammy, how's it going? And he starts splashing water on him. He's going like, chimps hate water. Watch this. And I'm going like, what are you doing? Don't be mean to him. And like, he's going like this and stuff like this. And I was going like, he doesn't like it. Don't do that. And then he started splashing back, right? Sammy, the the juvenile Sasquatch. And then pretty soon, I started splashing him. And then the other, there was four of them. The other, two, the other three Sasquatch came out. They turned around like they were digging a hole. And they were just splashing water like that. So we were doing the same. We finally just gave up. So there were multiple Sasquatch there? Yeah, there was two that were the same size as Sammy. There was a, another one that was the same size as him and two small ones in the— in the Smaller than Sammy. Yeah. So, so they're really like baby Sasquatch. Yeah, like about— Like, they could barely even freaking— They couldn't even— I don't even think they could walk on their hind legs. They're on all fours all the time. Okay. And— course my friend's mom thought oh look at the 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 chimps have survived out here and had babies you know like that's literally what we thought because nobody saw any large sasquatch you know and everybody just thought you know because the adults wouldn't get close enough to see the difference between a shot you know their differences you know in their facial stuff and you see them from a distance they look like a chimp at that age you know they're all black and uh and they do change color when they get older. I found that out because when i when I did see him later he had more of a brownish reddish tint to his to his hair. That's why I didn't recognize him when I thought it was his his um orangutan, my neighbor was telling me that, but I'll get to that um that was pretty much the the whole strawberry lake thing there was a there was a lot of incidents like that and we finally left that um that august and went home we were gonna move uh from Grand rapids uh to Elto, which is not very far from Grand Rapids, it's only about forty minutes, but it's it's still an hour and a half from the from Strawberry Lake. And uh, like I said, we moved out there in uh, October of seventy six. So this was a uh, a year later from the campground, and then the fu- you know we moved there uh, in the fall, and I didn't start playing in the barns. It was an old farmhouse and uh, a big hay barn. Um, a milking barn, a milk cooling barn, and a uh chicken coop, and you know several barns down there um but they're all abandoned, you know, nobody used them for many, many years are all overgrown. That was my playland, <laughs> but I didn't start playing with them or playing down there and seeing him until like the following year, which would have been seventy seven because that was when it was warm out, you know because we moved there in the fall I didn't play down there much in the winter, and uh when we first started seeing him. Um, when I first started seeing them and my parents were seeing them, uh, at a distance, there was always them running away on all fours from a distance. It looks like a dog. And mm-hmm. that's what we thought we were seeing. Another thing that was happening was, uh, um, uh, there was a PVB poisoning in the cows, uh, from 74 to 81 and, uh, Michigan and some of the neighboring states where they got the, uh, the feed and the fire retardant mixed up. They didn't know it right away. And there was all sorts of, Uh, problems with the cows dying and having, um, um, all sorts of growths growing on them and stuff. You know, I mean, they didn't know what was going on for a while and, uh, the state took control and the, the farmers would, uh, you know, separate these sick or dead cows and put them in a pile that they designated where the state would come with a state, a state truck, uh, once a week, and pick up all these dead cows from all these spots where the, they would dump them. And, uh take them to a mass grave up in Kalkaska. And uh, the dumping spot was right behind our barn. There was a creek that ran behind my barn uh, all the way up to, uh, to the north of us, to the the farm, and all the way south of us to the next neighbor's, which is about a mile down the road. And uh, they would dump them right back there, and they'd bleed in the creek. And uh, my parents were seeing them back running back there toward the cows, but it was— I don't know several acres away where you're seeing it, and we're seeing them run across there, and they look like dogs. So even when I got closer, and when they were in the barn, um, seeing them run away, that he wasn't just coming out where I could see him, and he would you know show himself. He was like hiding and running away, and I still thought I was seeing a dog. Um, this went on for a while, and I still didn't have any friends in the area. Um, and I met one friend on a Wednesday. At some church thing. Um. I, I skipped over the uh, the uh. I skipped over the the Catholic part. Before I got to this, I got I got to go back. The Catholic school incident was the first part. That uh, uh the Strawberry Lake thing when we got back from uh, um vacation, and we went to class, and I was I was in the school. Uh, blessed sacrament for one year because my mother was uh driving the bus there and they decided it was better for me to go there which it wasn't We and we got up in front of class and everybody told them what they did in the summer and i started telling And i was you know hanging out with a bunch of you know hippies in this nudist colony and playing with a bunch of chimps in the woods and that just started a huge fireball with the kids were like there's no such thing as chimps in the woods. You're crazy. And like, you know, <laughs> and, and the nun teacher was like trying to get me to, you know, confess that I was lying and I wouldn't, she, she, you know, and I, it started a fight between some of the kids. And I, I actually got one of those, those kids as a witness. I call him and talk to him. He remembers that I, I got to get him on camera with that. But, uh, uh, they made a big deal about it, and uh, they thought that I was trying to, you know, make this stuff up. And they took me down in the the principal's office after she, you know, smashed my knuckles a few times with a with a ruler to try to get me confessed. That didn't work, so they took me down in the, the the office, and another old nun comes there, and I did the same thing. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say I was lying. So she paddled me with this 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 paddle they had in there until I, you know, she just couldn't paddle anymore. And I didn't even shed a tear. You know, it's just like I'm not lying. I sat there in the office for a while and then the weirdest thing happened was, uh, they brought this younger nun and it's a real heavy set, not like a fat nun, like a, like a big football player girl. And okay. So just started with a, uh, you know, being a nun and they're going like, and this witness that I talked to knows all these names. I don't, I don't remember what her name was. I have to, I have to get on that and get the names from him yet, but, uh, not like it's real important with the nuns, you know, they're probably all passed by now anyway, but, uh, they introduced me to her and she uh, they they said well she knows what you're talking about they're chimps and she goes well i played with them i grew up on a farm and just they're evil you know they're like they can be seem really nice but they're sexual deviants and they're they're evil and they can do rotten things and they're um uh, what do they call them um the neanderthal are not um uh, you know, the. Neanderthals? No, not Neanderthals. Jake uh, yeah, the the Fallen Angels. The oh, Neos, Nephilim? Ne- Nephilim. That's what she called them. And she, you know, they, they thought I was a devil child. They thought and you were a devil they child? They thought I was a devil child. And like, that's what they would call me. And they'd put me into counseling. And I was getting upset because uh, my friend Randy was getting in trouble for all that stuff up there. And I was supposed to go to court. And our car broke down. We didn't go up there. And he ended up going, uh, you know, getting blamed for all that stuff. And to me, he's eight-year-old, and he was my, you know, an older friend. I thought he was the coolest person in the world, you know. And I was really getting upset about it. They decided to put me in counseling, and they erased my memory. Wow. So that, uh, ho- that's— All right, okay. So that was with my parents' permission. No, that was didn't have to do so much with the Sasquatches, me throwing a fit about my friend, you know, and, and being a problem, you know, as a kid— and, uh, you know, they decided to put me in counseling. They thought that was the best thing to do. Was this so, like Catholic counseling? Yes. Wow. And uh, after that, they pulled me out of the school and put me in public school after that. But uh, I finished up Grand Rapids at um, Beckwith School in my end of third grade and a little bit of fourth grade there. And uh, before I moved out to Caledonia, out in the Alto area in the farmhouse, and uh, I didn't know they'd. Erased my memory. That was a real big problem when he returned because I didn't recognize him right away. Randy, no, the juvenile okay. When I moved out to the the farm and he started showing up, I didn't know what he was. Gotcha. I did remember Strawberry Lake because they erased it. Wow, I didn't remember Randy? I didn't remember anything until I saw that that footage that I had sitting in my freaking possession for a decade.
0: Okay, for our first sponsor today, we have Simply Safe, and right now, Simply Safe is offering forty percent off any new security system to the Confessionals listeners. Do not wait; take advantage of this now. Simply Safe offers twenty four seven professional monitoring agents using Fast Protection TM technology, which is exclusively through Simply Safe. It captures critical evidence to verify the threat is real so you can get priority response by the police. Listen, I have the outdoor security cameras which gets the threat even before it gets in the house. And it also gets things that happen outside the house that maybe not be a threat to the house, but you catch it on camera because it's motion censored. Like this past week, my son on camera starts for whatever reason, I don't know. He usually rides his bike on the driveway, but he decided for whatever reason to ride his bike into the grass towards the very steep hill on the side of our house. And he's just learning how to ride bike, mind you. He's not even five years old yet. Happy birthday, Ben. He's going to be turning five on the 8th this month. But nevertheless, he couldn't stop the bike. And all of a sudden, you hear him go, Mommy! And he's holding on to his bike. And you hear Lindsay yell for Ben. She sees him. She runs after him. He goes down this very, very, very steep hill. And he slams into a tree Cuts his face all up, his chest all up, his legs all up. I mean, he got beat up. We took him to the uh, urgent care to make sure he was good and safe and all that stuff. And he is, he's fine. But man, like that kid took a hard spill and I caught it all on my Simply Safe camera. So if you want to be safe and also capture all the bloopers of your family, you want to get yourself some Simply Safe, do not miss your chance for this massive savings on my favorite security system. Get 40% off. Any new system at simplysafe.com slash confessionals today. That's dot slash confessionals. There's no safe like simply safe. So just to to, to keep everything on, on track here as far as how I'm tracking this, um, Strawberry Lake happens. You come back for summer break, you go to Catholic school, uh they they beat you for for lying about a, a a Sasquatch encounter that turns out at, at least one of them knew was true. Um, I, I'm curious, and you may probably don't have answers to this, but like I, I do wonder: did they know that you were telling the truth and trying to get you to say no? Uh, and then once you wouldn't submit to the beatings, and that's when they come in like, okay, yeah, you're you're right, this actually happens. Either way, uh, that happens at the school, and then you go into counseling through the school. Yep. And through the counseling at the school, they erase your memory. And, and now you're having encounters again, but you don't remember your first encounters. So it's almost like rewriting a whole new story for you. Yeah. So Wow. Okay.
1: So, so I go from being real comfortable around, you know, him at strawberry Lake and, you know, having zero fear to like, I don't know what's going on, you know, because, um, I'll take off from where I did, you know, uh, a little while ago and it we're, you know, the counters were just me seeing at first, you know, what I thought was a dog, you know, because he was always running away and he was small and he wasn't that, you know, I mean, when you get like, like he was the same size as me and I was 10 when I was seeing him at the, at the farm. Um, you know, you put a 10 year old on the ground on all fours, you know, and if you actually run on all fours, you know, they're pretty small and it just looked like us, um, we, when we started seeing him, some of the other kids, we, when we saw him run away, we thought he was a Rottweiler or something. Mm. Because actually, back then, not many people back in 1977 had Rottweilers. And we'd just see pictures of them. And they were big, stocky dogs, you know. And that's what we thought we were seeing at first <laughs> because we're stupid kids. Um, um The first uh, real weird encounters happened uh, when this one kid I met from, uh, uh, it was another Catholic thing that i went to during like the week during the summer this is in caledonia and we're at some church thing and i met this kid uh we'll call him mike k and there's two boys named mike um i get to that and that also turned out to be a name that the uh one of the kids named the sasquatch because he could say that but i'll get to that we went up to uh, this kid that I met at the church came over on like a Wednesday and we didn't have anything to do. Uh, we played around in the barns and for some reason back then, I mean, th- these woods were three miles away um, and it was okay for us to go play up in the woods. I wouldn't let my kids do that.
0: Yeah, but the, world, the world's <laughs> different now. I mean, like th- my mom used to let me run all over the place, know, but we I lived just, rural life and it was okay. I did,
1: it just sounds so weird because like we're both, I think Mike was nine, he hadn't turned 10 yet and I was 10 and we went three miles away up to this woods and it wasn't, it wasn't a real big woods. Um, it's a, it's a small chunk of land uh, that's about, you know, three or four miles long, but it's only about two miles wide, mm-hmm. um, but it attaches to much more woods, but this chunk my dad said it was like, oh, it's safe for them to go up there and play around. There's a few hippies and people hang out there in the um, old logging trails back then. But it wasn't nothing dangerous that they thought. We we rode our bikes up there, but, um, you know, and everybody thought that Sasquatch that, you know, was up there was from there, but he never was. So we got up there and um, the first thing we did was just, you know, check out the woods. We found a, you know, a hippie van back there and some guy, you know, freaking, hanging out back there and then we uh found a bunch of connected bushes it was the next thing we found that were um honeysuckle and um different kinds of bushes like that that had like plumed out like a big huge uh mushroom and underneath them you go under there and there was a you know plenty of room in there underneath them you know like on an umbrella and uh the first one that we went to didn't have anything and it connected to another one that went in and it had uh tinsel from you know christmas tinsel and christmas ornaments hanging up all inside of it. it had pictures that came in frames that people would throw away stuck up on the side of the walls into the you know the the um, branches and stuff like that just stuck there oh so this isn't a barn no this is this is when we were in the woods mike and i went up to the woods and from, away from our barns and uh we'd went in the woods and set our bikes down and we'd um, the first thing we checked out was these bushes, and we okay. started going through these bushes because I actually got a video of this too, of the actual bush. But it was, you know, really old, and there wasn't any leaves on it anymore. But it actually looked like it had kind of a doorway going into it. So we went in there, and you can actually go from bush to bush to bush underneath this thing. Gotcha. So many of them. Okay. And we found this one that had all the the weird Christmas stuff, and it. it also had like a glass bunch of glass bottles lined up in there. All, you know, really old ones, and then sticks in little orderly fashion, put in size, and then it had uh, a couple blankets in there and it had a whole bunch of magazines like Playboy, this and that, and the other thing. And uh, a couple other things I can't remember, but we thought it was a bum's hideout. We thought yeah. it was some, some human went in there and, and hidden there, and uh, we left there and we went uh, further back in the woods until we found these two other kids. that are about our age. Uh, Uh, one's, uh, name is Russell and the other boy's name was Mike. The other, uh, so there's two Mikes. There's one that's nine and the other Mike when Matt was the same age, he was, he was about nine. And then, uh, Russell was probably about 12 or 13, but these two boys were setting up camp and they were going to stay the night there. And they were putting these, uh, stairs up on this tree and they were going to put a fort up in this tree. And, you know, we hung out with them for a while and, uh, we actually helped them put the last um, step on this thing. We had to like almost climb up there in like a, a pyramid to get this last step way up on this tree. And it's still there from exactly the way we left it. I got pictures of me standing next wow. to it and everything. And, uh, that's another thing that brought my memory back. But, uh, um, I'll get to that later, but, uh, we went there and we decided we we're going to camp with these guys. So we had to go back and find our bikes and, and go get our gear and come all the way back. So we went up to my house, and it took forever my this other kid, Mike, that I was with to get permission and get his clothes, change his clothes out of his church clothes, and ride back up there. It's dusk. It's getting dark. And um, what I didn't know, there was a one trail that just went in a loop, and we followed that, and we couldn't find these boys. So we decided to set up in um, some pines uh, at a, you know opening where we could pop the tent up and set up there for the night and go find them in the morning is what we decided to do. So we set up, and when it got dark, and uh, I don't know what time it was because it was, uh, it was September. No, it was late August. Yeah, it was late August. It was still um light at about like 10 o'clock or something. So it was probably about 11 o'clock, I think, when something started to happen. We heard noises and grunts and all sorts of weird stuff. And then we hear Russell calling for Mike, which is my friend that I was with, also his name. So we didn't know if he was calling for the other Mike or if they're just messing with us. And he's like, Mike, Mike, he's screaming for Mike. It was the first thing we heard. and We just thought he was messing with it. And then we heard all sorts of, you know, Sasquatch noises, you know, all the weird noises and whoops and growls and, and just like all sorts of, you know, something coming through the woods. And we're like getting scared. You know, we're, we're pretty young. We're all like, if they're trying to scare us, they're doing a good job of it. We decided to leave all our gear there, get our bikes and and just come back in the morning and get it. We didn't know what was going on. If they're trying to mess with us, or not we rode all the way home and i remember it had had to have been um just after the news because my parents were still awake watching the tonight show and they they opened the door for us and called us chickens for chicken and out you know we went upstairs going to bed thinking that they just messed with us and we went up there in the morning to grab our gear and at the road 108 street and uh morris lake where it turns into harris creek right there the county line there was uh um Channel Thirteen WZZM news crew van interviewing Russell, with an ambulance pulling up, cop cars, horse, people on horseback, and a whole bunch of searchers with dogs looking for Mike, and uh, they won't let us in to get our gear. And we sat there, and we're, I, if I can ever find this footage where the other Mike and I are, you know, behind Russell as they're filming, him, and Russell's talking to the crew saying. Uh, the news crew saying that um, his friend got taken by some hairy bum because we told them about the the books and stuff we found in the bush, you know, and all that crap, and we thought it was a bum. So he, in turn, thought it was some hairy bum living out there, and that's what he told the news crew. And uh, that wrapped up, and we finally talked to a cop and tried to get our our stuff back, and they said, "Uh, you can't go in there right now. We're searching for this boy, and we don't want you in there. Um, We're going to call our head guy over here, and he'll— you know, get your stuff and get it back to you later today. So this guy, and you know, I have a lot of issues with this name. It was a fake name that he used. It was an agent, a native American agent named. He called himself um, John Redcorn. And and that was his fake name. That was his fake name, but that was before the, the, you know, King of the Hill freaking cartoon came out. And John Redcorns a really common native American name. Anyway, that's why he picked it. And, uh, His real name was uh, Jerry. I can't say his last name. I'd really like to because I I know all the agents by name, and I actually found some of them. Um, He comes up to us and tells us he's going to get us our stuff. Um, And that was the first time we met him, and he brought our stuff back um, later that night, but that wasn't going to be the last time we are going to see him. And uh, the encounters continued a little bit after that, you know, seeing um here and there. Um, and and Mike, they did find him that boy later that day, with no clothes on, and he wouldn't talk. He was so terrified for like the rest of the day, he wouldn't, he just couldn't even talk. But he was completely physically unharmed. Um, okay, so so before you go further uh, off
0: off that, uh, they found Mike. Do you remember what his descriptions were of anything that happened to him? Does that do you? Um, he. 'Cause I'm assuming you didn't find the news footage yet because you said if you have a find copy it. of the news footage. You do have you have I a copy. I had a copy of oh. the
1: news footage. The government took it from my mom. Oh. If I get to that. Okay. Um, I don't know. I have to uh find Russell. Um if anybody knows who Russell Yeager is. He's the other he was the older boy, and then uh I don't I don't care if anybody knows. Mike Karn was the uh the one boy that got taken. I have to find those two yet. Um, I did find, which is really weird. It, Russell worked in the same county building as I did. I used to work for Barry County Courts and Law. And uh, when I tried to find Mike Karn a little while ago, he was working in the office, right? And I'm going to the office where you find, um, you know, information on the houses uh, back then of, you know, who lived it in there. You know, it was in the deeds room and he worked in there. And uh, I just started telling the clerk there, you know, he's over in the corner. This is this is also very bizarre, but he doesn't. He retired and uh, I haven't been able to find his home address yet. That's another one of my witnesses I got to talk to. Um, but I started talking to the other clerk there about, you know, who I was going to try to find, which is Mike Carn. And uh, I told him a little bit about um, this basic, you know, that you know, we know met him in the woods and stuff, you know back when we were kids and I told him the spot and all that and and Russell's over in the corner listening to me. And he's like, hey, wait a minute. He's going like, I know Mike Karn. I still know him. And he's going like, I was that kid in the woods and I was just like, oh my God. And like, they even put a, they even put a, um, a thing on my, um, I think my Facebook page or something it was like, I hope you find your evidence. You know, you people from this, the the court, because like, they were just, they flipped out. It was like, you know, because it was just a chance meeting and it was him. So it was,
0: so Russell Russell was the kid that was there the night that that Mike
1: was taken was there when you when you checked in. Yeah, when I checked into the county to go try to find the other kid. And he had worked there the whole time I had worked there, but I didn't know him. I was working in the maintenance department and he was working in the deeds. So I worked there for like two or three years and I had he would say hi to me, but I had no idea who he was, you know, until until later, because like, so he was able to corroborate what happened that night yeah, in front of everybody in that freaking office. And wow, it was amazing. It so, was, what was his what was his uh, recollection of it? He still thought it was a hairy bum. Really? Yeah. They didn't, he didn't know any different. Wow. And I don't think Mike Carn does either. But I told him, I said it was not a hairy bum. <laughs> so, so at, at um at the point of this incident,
0: uh. You, you had your memory erased, but you were now having interaction with these chimpanzees again. Yeah. Uh, and so what you thought they were, uh, chimps at the time. Uh, did you ever connect the dots between, Hey, I'm having these interactions No, So, so you, uh, when this whole thing happened, you thought it was a hairy bum too. Um,
1: yeah. Okay. I actually blamed it on, um, um, this is another thing that I haven't been able to dig up either. And, uh, it, it this is this is really tragic sounding up. Uh, they blamed it on uh, because the the um or we told them, I told them about the the bush and the stuff that I found him and the government found that. And they went there and the magazines had um address on there, so they went after that guy. He was um um before they figured out it was Sasquatch, right? They arrested him, he was a student or I mean he was a um temporary bus driver and he just lived up the road and they blamed it on him. Okay. And he got fired and everybody ridiculed him for it. And then they, they yeah. emancipated him and they, you know, dropped the charges, but he killed himself. That's so sad. Oh, there's, there's way more. <laughs> there's, it gets, it gets really bad. I mean, the, the government just really, anyway, I'll get to that. Um. So yeah, they found Mike and he was okay, but I went to go, I went to go visit him, um, a couple days later and he still wasn't talking. You know, I just met him. So like, I went up, uh, there with my dad and we gave him a, Know, kind of a get well card or something like that. And, uh, um, he wasn't seeing anybody. So you know, shortly after that, I was going to, the other stuff was going to happen. to have my memory erased and I would never see him again, but, um, I'll get to that. Um, the other encounters, um, and continued, um, when I started going on to my neighbors, which were south of me about a mile and a half, there was, uh, two households, uh, with, um, a bunch of kids down there, the first household, um, there's three boys and, uh, one young girl and a and a baby and uh they had uh two boys and a girl next door that they're all about the same age so i was down there playing after um after like a you know couple of weeks or something like that after uh the first encounter that i just told you about up at the woods and uh i was i uh, was seeing we were seeing um you know the dog thing um Going in and out, you know, of the um, the brush and stuff like that. We didn't think much of it because that um, previous day, um, another neighbor had lost a really large dog. Um, I can't remember what breed it was, though. It was like some sort of St. Bernard and something other mix, you know. And we went and found that and brought them back. And then they were all happy, and they gave us, you know, a few bucks or something like that. And we mm. thought it was a big thing, you know, back then. You know, as little kids, you know, a dollar was a hell of a lot of money, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, just in general, it was a
0: lot more so money than it is we now. we started
1: seeing the other dog thing, we started following around because we thought it was, you know, something else we couldn't, you know, take back to somebody else. But, um, right along that, that same time, um, uh, this other kid that was uh, a year or so younger than me, I think it was a year younger than me and Tim was disappearing away from our group of friends and saying that he was, uh. Playing with an orangutan in the cornfield, and they had a there was a cornfield uh, in between our two houses, um, was stretched about a mile, and had the had the creek running between our two houses, and our you know, um a little pond in between back there. And uh, this kid uh, was sitting along this cornfield, trying to coax this thing out for days, I guess, and none of us really believed him. We thought he was making up an imaginary friend. So we play by ourselves, and like uh, and when we we're playing by ourselves, we we're seeing, you know, the dog thing going on. There was one time we we started wrestling around, and uh, Tim was up by the cornfield waiting for his, I don't know, his uh, friend. Right? He called. He, he was he was convinced it was an orangutan because of the coloration of it. And there was no internet. He had like an encyclo and uh, the Encyclopedia Britannica, the whole thing, and he had looked up all this information on on freaking uh, orangutans. And he was up there. <laughs> he said, researchers have better luck taking their lab uh, less clothes on. He was up there in his underwear sometimes, just waiting for this thing, trying to come up. The, the cornfield was right alongside of their house. There was a tree line and, and it was really close to his house. And he was sitting up there with a whole bunch of toys all the time on alongside of this cornfield, trying to coax this thing out for days. And, uh, the, the one time we were wrestling, uh, and made a great big, huge mud pit down by the creek, (laughs) got in trouble for it. Um, We saw the juvenile Sasquatch in the bushes there, and he turned around and ran away, and we thought it was a dog. We're going to go chase it. And he ran across the creek, jumped across the creek a couple times, and we lost track of him. There's three of us, and we're all really fast. I mean, kids, and and all of us were in track later, you know, in, in high school and stuff like that. We couldn't keep up with him. We split up, the three of us, uh, you know, and the one of the youngest kids was like only seven or eight years old, and he went across the street, and 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 um, we we're, were on the other side of the street, and we kind of just combed down down, and uh, all of a sudden, this, this little kid's like, he's over here in this drainage ditch over, and he went up in this, one of those drain tunnels up there, and we went, went over there, and uh, it was a dead-end drain tunnel, so we could just see, it was like up in the dark, stuck in there, we could just see his butt still, we never got to see him fully we're still thinking we're still thinking it's a dog so this one kid brian starts poking him with a stick and he's grabbing the stick with his back foot and we're still not putting this together You wow. know, because you can barely see it you know down in the tunnel it's still kind of dark he's grabbing it with his back foot and he's like grabbing the stick and going ah, 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 "Make a dog noises and then all of a sudden he they're doing cat noises he's going meow meow and dog noises and we're like that dog's got a cat in there this is freaking freaky we're just like you know we're going like and he sounded really vicious. You know, he was growling. us. We didn't spend much time down there. and We decided we we're going to tell an adult. Well, uh, when the adult came home, uh, Tom, which is uh, um, Tim's dad. Um, Tim was the kid that was by the cornfield looking for him all the time. He comes home and he sees all that, that mud we made in the yard there, that big wrestling match that we had there. We turned into a big mud pit. He got all mad and started screaming at us, you know, and sent me home. So. Um, you know, we had to pay for the grass to repair the thing. So I didn't go down there for a few days. And and Tim still, you know, sitting down by the cornfield for these few days. I, it was getting close to Labor Day towards the end of the summer, and I went down there um, that weekend, and they're, uh, they were gone, most of the family. And uh, Tim was down there, and he had a babysitter, and they had a baby at the time. And uh, the babysitter was in the house with the baby. The rest of the family was gone, school shopping. And I knocked on the door, and the babysitter goes, uh, oh, Tim's out there in the cornfield playing with his troll friend. See, look. And I looked out the kitchen window, and you could see a little troll face sticking out of the freaking cornfield. And who uh, said that? The babysitter? The babysitter saw it. And she thought it looked like a troll. He's and she didn't playing. have any concerns about no. it? I don't know. What is- I know. It is, but they had another thing with the babysitter they're having. and This is another thing that people... Find hard to believe because it was like 77 or 78 and uh she was stealing money and uh tom uh made they had a vcr but they didn't really have a small camera back then they had a beta camera and i got a advertisement for it and it really did come out that year it was about like that big and uh they had a um some sort of a, a news program on one of the morning news things and i i told them about it and I actually saw it first. I was going to like, you know, they put a nanny cam. They just put that cam inside of a bear and hooked it up to the VCR. And he did that. And he had that in um, the entertainment center, and he had a hole in the wall because I watched. Me and Tim watched him set it up, and he put a little hole in the wall and ran the cables to the kids' room to where he had the VCR set up to where it was recording. So it was from beta to VCR to the TV, and uh, he wanted to catch her stealing, so he left some money out too. And uh, so I'll get to that in a minute where that camera comes in. Uh, so I go out to the cornfield and Tim's out there and he's sitting on this red ball, one of those kickballs kind of things. And he's in his underwear. And I wasn't even going to draw this at first because like, I didn't think it was important. It, it was important. And, you know, he, he really thought he was, and it really does work too. If you go out there and I'll get to that sometime later. Um, the less clothes you wear, the less you know suspicious they are of you having something hidden in your clothes. Mm. I think, uh, but um, you know, for an eight or nine year old kid to figure this out was something. But yeah. he sat up there and he had all these Tonka trucks all lined up around around him. He had uh, footballs, baseballs, all his sister's little dolls. He was trying to coax this thing out of this cornfield, and he wasn't having any luck. And he was like uh, pushing this thing towards him, and he's going like, I I can't get him to come out. He was just here. And you scared him. He laughed when I get up there. I was like, yeah, sure, right. I saw him up there. I was going like, I know there's something in there. And he goes, "Uh, I, he's going like, I'll get him to try to come out. And I don't remember what he did. He called the mic, I think. And uh, he did that. I'll get to that why he made that mic noise where he sounded like he was saying Mike. I think it had something to do with the searchers up there. Uh, I don't know the previous week or so before looking for the boy Mike. With a bullhorns going, Mike, Mike, Mike. And he actually, this kid, Tim, goes, he can say Mike. You know, I'm like, yeah, right, whatever. You know, he does pop out eventually. And he comes out uh, at first, then he just comes out of the cornfield just about uh, maybe two or three feet and sits on his butt, puts his knees up to his, his chest and puts his arms around there and just kind of sits there and watches us real quietly. This is only about five or 10 feet away. And like, Tim's like trying to get him to come closer pushes a talker truck away, or towards him, and you know, he pushes it away, pushes a couple balls up there, and he, he's not interested, and he pushes that kickball up there, and and the juvenile Sasquatch that he called Mike or Sammy, which was the same one, hits it with his left hand, and the ball goes sailing in a tree and pops it, mm. hits it so hard. And I'm, like, really concerned about this. I'm like, oh my God. But Tim's like, oh, oh, my God, that was so cool. I finally got him to do something. And he was just all laughing and giggling and everything. He's so happy to get this thing to do something. And uh I'm just gonna I'm just thinking to myself, something's not right. And he's going like, no, it's an orangutan. What do it safe. I've been around him for like a week and all this. Uh, I go, okay. So I sat there for a couple minutes and tried to watch him interact, and then this thing tried to grab him and pull him into the into the cornfield. I grabs his arm and starts pulling him towards the cornfield. And I go like, Oh, this is not right. You know, I tried to get his arm off of him. And I I couldn't break him break him free and I was like kind of freaking out, and Tim's all laughing all damn time and it wasn't Tim it wasn't he wasn't that kind of a kid he was a, a really smart you know kid that doesn't he took a lot of thing a lot of things really seriously he didn't he was just acting all goofy, and uh, when I tried to break the break free of uh, the Sasquatch grip on him, um, the, uh, the juvenile Sasquatch just kind of looked right at me and he goes Let's go and he stands up and he gives me a great big hug. I mean, to the point to where I almost freaking, I crushed me to where I couldn't even breathe. And Tim's laughing at me, going like, "Oh, he's hoping you oh, look at it," and like, <laughs> and that's what Tim's talking. So, I'm like, he's he he just immediately lets go of me and goes back into the cornfield. And I'm like, Tim, this is serious. We you got to go tell an adult. Put your clothes back on, and we went back in. Um, and after he got his clothes on and grabbed some um there was a macaroni and cheese that the freaking uh the babysitter made with wieners or something like we ate that real quick and ran up to my my house because my dad was home and it was holiday weekend because i knew we had to tell somebody and i got tim to go along and the babysitter let me go we go up uh uh in between our house and in his house was that cornfield and there was a, a fence alongside of it, one of those old rickety fences made out of metal and little barbed wire in between and the, the squirt off little things. And he goes, oh, he won't cross that fence. He won't cross the 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 creek. He's an orangutan. They hate water. They won't go over fences. I even mean, like he's on and on. I was like, I'm still like getting this thing in my mind of, even then I remember trying to remember Strawberry Lake. I'm going like, well, where did he come from? And he's going like, well, maybe he came from a circus or something. And that still didn't click in my head, but mm. it was a little bit. And uh, the whole time we're walking up there, He's trying to convince me that's an orangutan, and, and we look over, and we can see the corn move, and he's following us. And Tim's going like, oh, hey, there he is. Hi, Mike. How's it going? I forgot to tell you, Mike. He could say Mike. He goes like, oh, I got him to say Mike. And he goes, Mike, like that when we are at the cornfield. But like, it didn't. So, oh, whoa, don't brush over that. Don't brush over that. So you're saying the juvenile Sasquatch said Mike. Yeah, but it didn't really sound like, sound like a. Like us saying Mike it was more like, Mike. <laughs> like was he trying to say Mike? Yeah. And why was he trying to say Mike? Because Tim was repeating it over and over. He's got to get him to say Mike. Look, and I mean, like I was going like, he never really got him. Not Now, now that I think about it. He never really got him to say Mike. That's the only thing he knew how to say because he heard it over the. Gotcha. The speaker. That's what I think anyway, because it makes the most sense. But it wasn't something that was really. You know, you recognize as the word Mike. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It sounded like more like the word Mike with a burp in it or something, but I forgot about that. Yeah, he got he got him to say that before he uh but was it, we're going up to my house and he's jumping up in the cornfield, waving at us, you know, jumping up high enough to where he could see going like this out of the cornfield every once in a while and Tim's waving at him. We're going like, I don't know about this dude. And then anyway, when they get up to my house and my dad doesn't believe us. <laughs> of course. And he thinks we're just making this stuff up. And, uh, finally we just give up and Tim has to go home to have dinner. I'm going to have dinner. So he walks home and after dinner, uh, I wanted to go play down in the barns. Uh, and my parents are going like, no, there's this dog thing. And now you're getting this orangutan thing and you're not going to go down to the barns. They're going like, well, what if I go down to the milking barn? The milking barn had you know, all the, the milking things for the cows in the bottom, but uh, above it had, uh, um, a low ceiling area where they had all the hay stored for the, for the cows there i mean there was a hay barn next to it but they had you know all that what they do is you know bring some over and feed the cows with it when it's right up up there and they can you know throw it down to the cows in the in the um is this your farm yeah okay gotcha. but it was it didn't have any animals in it when we moved in there it was gotcha. all overgrown and everything and uh i mean it was a really old farm this particular building was o- over 100 years old wow. when we moved in there and it had a couple towers on top of it too on top of the roofs that you could get on but the second floor. Um, had, um, hay, hay doors with casters on it. And it had two ladders that went up there with doors on them on top of the ladders. So you could close off the whole, the second, second, the, um, the second floor up there. You could close the whole thing off with those little latch things up there and close it all off. And I told him that's what I would do. So I went up there and I did that and I had like my Tonka trucks up there and had this little city built up that I found up with spare pieces of wood. And I painted like, little bank and you know like i was 10 years old i thought it was fun but like I had all my toys up there and i had two piles of hay up there that the my other friends from uh down the road had helped me put up some ropes over these two old dusty big piles of hay that were about this big and they're about 20 feet apart we put ropes over each other over and put a loop on them so we could like run around really fast and spin and jump on the hay and uh so I went up there, and I wasn't up there very long. And something started banging on the uh, the door that went over the ladders to the second floor. And I thought it was my dad changing his mind. You know, that was the first thing that popped in my head. He's going to go bam, bam, bam. Oh, you better have you come back to the house or something. So I started walking over to the door. Bam! It freaking breaks open. And here comes Mike, the juvenile Sasquatch, and he waddles across there. And I'm just like, oh, oh, geez, it's him. I wasn't even afraid. I was just like so convinced it was. You know, safe because my friend Tim, and and it really was, but um, not hundred percent safe. But he goes and walks over to this furthest pile of hay, way over on the other side of the barn, and plops down and just sits there on his butt. And I go over, I go like, oh, you know, Tim's played with him. I gotta see what I can do with this thing. See what if I can, if I can make him do any cool stuff. That was my mindset, and um. Of course, if I ever thought it was anything else, you know, I would have freaked out and I did. Um, I get to that. I get over there and I sit down in the other pile of hay, which is about 20 feet away from him or something. I just sit there and I, I I remember, you know, him making that and saying, Mike, and, and, and whistling and doing other noises. So I started, I was really good at making noises back then. I could do a baby crying and I started doing, you know, a dog and then Mike would make the sound back, but i just do a bark, bark like that. And he would go bark, bark, wolf, wolf, bark, growl. Every sound a freaking dog can make. Same thing with the cat, same thing with the cow. And all the noises like a chicken and a duck and all these things. And like the last one I did was a baby cry. I can do a really good baby cry. I'd have to clear my throat out right now, but I can do a really good baby cry. And it freaked me out that he could do a better baby cry, human baby cry than I did. And uh I was like, wow, you know, this is, this is mind blowing. And like the whole time he's talking to me, his feet are, he's, he's sitting on his butt and his legs out in front of him and his feet are, out in front of him and his feet are going like, his feet are going like this, just moving all around. And I'm going like, oh, that's interesting. So I took my shoes off and I went up to him. Yeah. This, this all does sound really weird because it, you know, it's a Sasquatch and I'm thinking it's just something else. And that's the only reason why this all worked. <laughs> Not because I had encounters with them before, but like this is so bizarre. I just took my shoes off and uh I pressed my feet up against his just to see what the difference was. I was like, Oh, well, your feet are the same size as mine, you know. I was I don't know what I was thinking. Then he uh, I started pressing up against feet like little kids doing, you know, like the the car game, and he pressed my feet so hard I kind of rolled backwards in the pile of hay, and he comes up to me and he goes like this to my shirt and he's looking at my shirt and I take my shirt off because I remember but Tim said, he didn't make him feel more comfortable. Yeah. And then uh, I was going to like, uh, okay, let's see what else you can do. And I walked over to the rope and I put my foot in it and I ran around the, that pile of hay and really fast and I, and I let go and I flipped and sat in the pile of hay and it flipped on my butt like that. You know, I didn't think he would imitate me. And he like grabs the the rope and he just immediately starts going upside down. He grabs a rope and his feet, he like goes all the way up to the rafters. He goes up to the rafters and sticks his feet on the rafters, you know, the hand. Their uh, feet are like hands, and he's like gripping the the, the rafters. And I'm going, I'm thinking to myself, like, oh, "This old orangutan is going to kill himself. What is he going to do?" But, like, he pushed off the rafters with his feet, is what he did. And he did the same thing I did, and I spun around and plopped down and go like this. I'm <laughs> <And>, like, <laughs> okay, showing you up. So then I pull the Gilligan, is what I call it, because I remember a Gilligan episode where this happened, and I go, "Oh, <laughs> like that, <laughs> like." He did the same thing. Only he, when he beat his chest, he opened his mouth all the way and I saw those those teeth in the back. And i get to the teeth and the the canine looking teeth in the back. And then his eyes glowed red, and he screamed like like something you'd hear. Like I've never even heard anyone recorded like this. It sounded like something out of a jungle, like some some wild you know primate out of the jungle. It didn't sound anything like any recording I've ever heard, and it was incredibly loud. And I. Saw those teeth and the red eyes and I freaked out and I I thought this is a baboon or something, you know, because I didn't know any better. I still I mean, there was no information on any, you know, what a juvenile Sasquatch looked like back then or hardly any Bigfoot stuff or especially them running on all fours. But um because, you know, it'd be you know bipedal to all fours to, you know, bipedal and back and forth. But that was just the juveniles. Um So I freaked out, then I started running towards that door, Um, one of the caster doors that um, slide open for the hay, and I'm trying to unlock that little thing, and he's coming towards me. And, I mean, this all happened, like, within seconds. The whole whole thing in the barn probably only lasted, like, two or three minutes. I mean, it makes it sound like it's really long when I'm talking about it for so long. But um, as I'm trying to open that door, something's banging on the other side of it. And right at that same time, he grabs my ankle, gets on top of me. And pins me down, and I'm looking at the door like this, and it busts open. I'm thinking it was my dad coming in, but it wasn't. It was his mom. It was Mike's mom. Mike's mom, a full size freaking sasquatch. And the the now the the second level of this barn was only about you know seven foot up. It wasn't like a lot higher like a house it would be. It had a low roof on the on the first floor, so it wasn't that far off the ground because I didn't end up falling out there. Um, mm-hmm. she comes in. And I'm like pinned down and he's like, like the drawing I have, he's got right up to my face doing this thing like, <laughs> like that. That's all I hear. And I can't scream. I can't move even if I wanted to. I just like knew what was going on. Is his on. eyes still red? No. Okay. And he's like got me pinned down and he's doing this thing right to my face. And when he's making this, the sound and I literally can't scream. I can't do anything. I can't move even though he has my legs and arms pinned down. She so comes in. Sits right next to me, just hops up on that floor and sits there next to me and she goes, I, I got a scar from here all the way down to here. It's still there down down to here on in the inside of my thigh. Uh, she rips my pants off. Just pulls them down like this, but I had a belt on and her fingernails cut oh, my skin a little bit.
0: Okay, so hold on a second. So she she picks you up by your pants? No, I'm I'm laying down pin and she pulls off my pants. So you're laying on the ground because Mike's holding you down. Yeah, she pulls my pants and she off. grabs your
1: pants and pulls them off. Yeah okay shreds them puts you... put puts like four I've got two that are left that go all the way down here and the scar down here is still there okay but you know um uh, that I'll get to that in a minute but uh it didn't like tear me open to where I had blood coming out it was just like a bunch of fingernail scratches. scratches that you know went through several layers of skin and it wasn't bleeding out or anything but I did have to have it stitched up later but um as soon as she did that you know um and and let me let me tell you what happens when that. You know, they did that to Mike too. The other boy that they took, he was naked. Right. And I what. What I'm guessing is the clothes smell bad, and when they take you, they're not. What What they're doing is they're having a play date with the juvenile, and they want to go somewhere. Want somewhere where they feel it's safe. And they're going to take the kid, and the kids are going to play somewhere, but they have to present you to the alpha male, and you can't smell like a human. So they take your clothes off, and they sent you. That's what they were i mean they they get all over you and you know get their smell on you, and then they take you to you know the mom smiles you and then the dad smiles you, and if you're okay, then you, you go <laughs> so so all right so that this is th- th- these are things that you've come to
0: uh understand yeah. uh and the so so you're saying that the 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 pants being taken off was deliberate right, and uh unless. Less clothes, the better.
1: Yep. Um, so I already took my shoes and my 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 shirt off. Right. Okay. Yep. They they provided, uh, you know, taking the pants off for me. So I was there naked and it was embarrassing. Be because what happened next is, uh, right that instant, she sees my dad coming down because they must have saw what was going on when the they I, they remember them him telling me about it as they saw them approach behind the barn the two adults. Because there was two of them, the mom and the dad, but the mom, whoops, the mom came up and the dad stayed down and, uh, they see my dad coming down there and he's got his, uh, I think he's got his 16 gauge, um, old Browning shotgun because he, he went to, uh, hunting with a bow and he got rid of all of his rifles and that's the only gun he had because he he really enjoyed hunting with a bow instead of, and he thought it was more challenging and, uh, didn't have come to find out later all he had was birdshot for the thing. Wow. But he comes down there with his, his gun and, and the female sees him, uh, the female Sasquatch, and she grabs the juvenile Sasquatch. And uh, um, the big blonde father is like behind the hay barn. You'd have to see the drawings and my dad doesn't see him. And uh, she jumps out of that that, uh, that hay bell door to the ground when she has Mike, the juvenile Sasquatch. But as... as they're jumping out, Mike reaches back and grabs my arm because I'm right next to the door and pulls me. But he loses his grip, so I'm, like, in the middle of the air, like, you know, getting pulled out, you know, just yank like this. You know, yank like this, and they let me go, and I drop right straight down to the ground on my back, naked in front of my dad. Wow. That's the wind right out of me. I mean, I was, like, that, that was about a foot from the cement walkway in there. would have probably cracked my head open, but I did have a big a big uh freaking bump on the back of my head just from freaking falling on the ground there but i fell just completely flat because they i was on my back and they pulled me straight up like that and i was already flat so i just went like that so that would it was only seven feet but still but it i couldn't i couldn't breathe wider eggs and knocked the wind out of me when i got up i the last thing i wanted to do was scream up in the barn so that's what came out of me i started screaming as soon as i my dad picks me up and he's like looking at the He's not even noticing I'm naked, and he's, like, looking, you know, at these two adult Sasquatch that he's just, like, I didn't find out later he's seen Sasquatch before, but mm-hmm. uh, I'll get to that. Um, so they're they're busy going away, the two adult Sasquatch, and the female's got uh, Mike in her hands, but she's uh, he's too big for, like, to be carried, basically. And when he hears me uh, screaming, he fights to get out of, you know, his mother's grip and runs back on all fours. And then stands up in front of us and he runs back on all fours. The grass was so high, like about that high back there. All you could see is this grass parting and like him just running on all fours like so fast. You wouldn't believe it. Comes back and he stands up like a couple of feet, like maybe five, six feet um, in front of my dad and I. And he looks at my dad and he looks at me and he looks at my dad and he grabs me and starts pulling me with my arm, you know? Like he thinks that I think. Back then, I thought he's going to kill me. He's going to eat me. And I were "My dad, shoot him! Shoot him!" My dad's like, "No, wait a minute. This is something's wrong. I'm not going to shoot this thing." He tells me later, "He's like, I don't even think that thing, what that gun would have done anything." And the two adults are huge. Uh, at least the male was. The female was only about like, six and a half, seven foot tall. She was black. The, the male was on black skin with blonde hair, mm. um, and he was about eight foot at least. I, he looked like he was nine foot, but I. I found out later that you know everything looks taller when you're a little kid, so I'm kind of <laughs> yeah. I'm kind of desizing them a little bit, but um, yeah. He uh, he pulls my arm, and my dad shoots up in the air and scares off. And he scares them off a ways, and uh, the juvenile sasquatch. We call him Mike now, even though we call him Sammy uh, at Strawberry Lake. He stops a little ways away at this fence line in the cornfield that's behind the barns. And the, the, uh, after the gunshot, the, this freaked the two adults out. They took off on all fours and went through the freaking uh, cornfield, and one of them got their foot on there, stuck in the fence, and dragged the fence into there and everything. They were so panicked. They didn't come back. And uh, the juvenile Sasquatch just like, hey, nothing happened, and he comes right back rushing towards my dad and I. And still we're thinking, you know, the worst. I'm not, you know. I didn't get to think that through much, you know, and I thought there, you know, he was just trying to eat me. (laughs) Mm. So we go into the barn for cover, and the the first door we go in, uh, it was an old barn. It didn't shut properly, and it wouldn't lock, Um, and it had a lot of loose boards on it. So we went into the next room, uh, and that had a door that faced south that locked, but the northern-facing door had two big uh, doors that were uh, opening up for uh, like a, a tractor to pull in there. It was a small room for big enough to put a tractor in there and repair in the smoking barn. And it had uh, uh, windows on the east and the west that were broke. And it had uh, one loose board on the on the west side. No, on the east side that would, I used to like, with this board would had like, you know, a hinge, or it was hinged on one nail like that. and would move over like that so I could like, just slide through there sideways it was that about that big that was not a good room to go in and like uh, I don't think my dad knew those barns very well as I did because (laughs) the only door that we had uh that would lock was the one that we just went through and I had my back facing that and uh he's like I don't know what I'm gonna do and he like throws his shotgun shells on the ground like all I got is birdshot and here you know and like, uh, we waited in there for a couple of minutes and there was a, I had my back against the door and I'm like, he's going to, Why are you naked anyway. Like, and I like, they ripped my clothes off I and mean, I don't think he believed me. And, uh, there's a hole next to me, like only about big enough to stick your hand through right next to my shoulder on the wall, on uh, next to the door. And Mike sticks his arm through there and tries to pull me through that little hole, grabs my arm and starts pulling me. And like I'm freaking out, and my dad takes the butt of the gun and hits him on his arm, and he screams, and uh, everything goes quiet for a while. And we think we just drove him away, you know. And, uh, I mean, it was real quiet. So my dad goes over to uh to that that uh one board that slides on that one uh, nail that's in it, and he pushes it open. When he doesn't know, his gun's sticking halfway, you know, a little the barrel sticking out of that hole. And he's trying to look out at each side of that thing. It's not dark yet. It's about an hour, maybe 45 minutes or so before dusk. And uh, I think it's really kind of harder to remember because it was, and it happened so fast and uh, there was a lot that happened, but I'll I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, The uh, time he looked out there, the the juvenile Sasquatch grabbed the barrel of his gun. And he almost got it away from my dad. My dad had to put his foot up against the the wall, the bracelet, and pull the gun away. And he couldn't get it away. He shot the gun. And he, you know, while he was holding on to it, we figured that would like drive him away if it didn't kill him. And we didn't even know, you know, just bam, he shot the gun and he stopped. He got quiet again. And uh, just after that, we hear a siren coming down uh, on the 92nd Street, heading from uh, Wayland towards our house. And uh, goes to the house first, and my mom redirects it to the barn. So she must have been up there watching the whole time. Called the cops, and uh, he comes down uh, towards the barn. And just as he does, he pulls in, and there's a driveway by those two doors that I told you about that face to the north that have a big hole in them that uh, where the tractors go in. That hole was there when we moved in there, it was big enough to like a dog to walk through, it was all it was busted through the bottom of the doors. and. Uh, as he was pulling in there, he saw Mike try to dart in there, and he cut him off with the cop car. and So he almost drove the cop car into the barn, and he and he had the siren down. He shut the sirens off. He comes in, and the first thing he says is, you know, why is he naked? <laughs> like, he's going, there, was that a bear? And I was like, we're trying to explain to him that wasn't a bear and what happened and everything. And then uh, while we're doing that, Mike's popping into that one little spot where that, that board moved again, and they started shooting towards him. And uh that drove him away as soon, as soon as that happened, we heard the second siren set of sirens. It's the ambulance. And that that came down there after it went to the house and pulled in and shut its sirens off and it seemed like everything was quiet. And it was okay to go out there. And we went out the uh that hole that I told you about in the, the um where he had his cop car parked and we went around the back of that to the to the the ambulance and there was two ambulance attendants in the in the ambulance. There was old uh nineteen seventy seven Cadillac Hearst kinda ambulance and it was like it's maiden voyage yeah it was like its first year in in, uh being an ambulance i actually found that car and the cop car the actual cars the actual cars they still exist yes really (laughs) (laughs) yeah they have they have a really cool history the the ambulance is like beautiful shape and so is the cop car but the cop car was special that's how i found that i'll get to that in a minute
0: And for our last sponsor today, we have Hello Fresh. Hello, the good good. And I love HelloFresh in the holiday season because it makes my life freshingly easy. Is that corny? Probably corny, but I don't care. Listen, I've been talking about HelloFresh for quite some time. And right now during the holiday season, I don't know how it is for everybody else's lives, but for my life in the month of December, it's extremely busy because my wife's birthday is the 16th. My son's birthday is the 8th. And because those two birthdays are in December and Christmas is in December, we schedule a lot of family activities in December. I'm talking about going to see Cocoa Melon and unicorn shows and Christmas lights and all this stuff in one month. And it gets exhausting. And I think I'm tired already just thinking about it. And I need to save some time. Enter HelloFresh. HelloFresh is going to save me a lot of time. It'll save you a lot of time too because during the holiday season when your calendar is filling up, making cooking simple and quick, is HelloFresh's specialty, and you wanna hop on that specialty train. Hosting for the holidays, no problem. If you are one of those people that like hosting parties, but you also like, I don't got a lot of time this year, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to host a party, enter HelloFresh. You can make HelloFresh food. All the pre-portioned ingredients are gonna be delivered right to your door. It's gonna be cheaper than going to the grocery store. You're gonna have a better recipe than going to the grocery store, and your guests are gonna love it, absolutely. And all this can be yours, friends. All this can be yours. Just go to HelloFresh.com slash Confessionals18 and use code Confessionals18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Confessionals18 and use code Confessionals18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. Listen, don't go hungry during the holidays. Be glad that Randy didn't get eaten by Bigfoot. Now let's get back to Randy right now.
1: So we go out and they open uh, the back of the, the ambulance and we're, uh, my dad and the cop are end up standing with their guns in front of the ambulance and they're talking to the ambulance driver trying to tell them what's going on. And the other tenant's get me in the back of the ambulance and Mike comes out around one of the little barns and just runs up there and stands up there in front of them And they're all just like, oh my God, you know, I'm like, And they start shooting towards him. I don't know if they're shooting at him. I don't think they, you know, even were, like, trying to shoot him, but they tried to drive him off. And he comes back again. He didn't even go very far. He just went back by that cooling bar and starts looking around the side of there. And the cop figured by that time he's going, like, well, he didn't like the sirens. He turned on the sirens of the cop car and the ambulance, and it drove him off. And they thought it was being quiet enough to go up to the house and check out my wounds and see what was going on. So that's what we did. Got up to the house, and uh, the conservation officer, uh, Brent, i'd have to look up his last name um his first name was brent i can't remember the conservation officer's last name i know every every cop every witness every, anybody that had anything to do with this case i have their name um most cases i've talked to them and uh they won't talk or they don't remember or they you know that's what they're saying but uh um as the attendants were checking out my uh my, Kind of superficial wounds. I they said that I had to go get stitches, and they patched me up as best as I can. Then we hear gunshots from my neighbors, um, which is a mile down. We could still hear it, but that was because he had a thirty <laughs> thirty. And uh, the cop and the conservation officer are in my uh, mudroom, and they get the the call down there. And they're going like, "We're getting a na- neighbor's are calling us down there. We gotta go." And uh, they took off down to there and uh, after the ambulance attendants were done with us I had to go to like the emergency room not right away but I had to go get stitches Um, the cop was pulling in uh, to my driveway as he left my neighbors the, it was a, a state uh, police um, officer and he was driving a 1977 blue Pontiac uh, um, what was it Grand Prix yeah and he had a 455 in it and it wasn't his car. Found out the history of it because it was a Pontiac, and that was the only car I knew because we had a Pontiac once when we went camping. What year was it? It was 77 Pontiac. You know, it's just a small, <laughs> wild coincidence. 1977
0: Pontiac Grand Prix was the very first car I ever had. Oh, no shit. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I still regret getting rid of it because it's such a beautiful car, but I couldn't afford the gas. <laughs> yeah,
1: they were gas I think it had a 305 engine, I think. Oh, no, this one had a 455, it was special ordered. And I found out because when the cop pulled in our driveway as we were leaving, he's going like, well, when I came from the Wayland, you know, state police post, I was on my way home. And, uh, he said, you can go down there and talk to your friends now before, you know, they leave and you go to the hospital and, and, uh, everything's okay down there and blah, blah, blah. And, um, the locals got it down there. I got to go home. Before he left, I was going like, yeah, look, it's a Pontiac cop car. And he goes, oh, this isn't my cop car. It was the, uh, it wasn't, what do they call it? It was the, uh, the head guy at the, the, the post there. Um, it's not a chief. It's called a, I forget what it's called, but, uh, he, he had ordered that car. That he'd previously worked at GM. It wasn't a real cop car. They used it as a backup cop car with a gumball on the top. And hmm. he said that his LTD was in the shop and he took his boss's car. That's how I figured that out. And I went to the, you know, recently went to the state police and found out, you know, in the Wayne Post and they filled in the rest of the the information for me. Wow. And uh that was amazing because I actually if you know, if I wouldn't have recognized that thing being a Pontiac when I was a kid, I never would have found that out. But uh we go down to our neighbors and we get down there and uh um the mother and all the children are packing up their car, getting out of there. But the father's gonna stay there because um, and what had happened is, um, the juvenile Sasquatch, Mike went down there and tried to get Tim. He went into the house. They got home from, uh, um, wherever they are at, you know, school shopping and eating and let them just let the babysitter go home. And, uh, they're, they get in the house and it's, it, I don't know if it was quite dusk down in yet or not. It was, it was getting really close. And they hear all this banging on the side of the house and screaming. It's like Mike trying to get in there and the two adults trying to, um, you know, trying to calm the juvenile down, I think. And uh, Mike ended up uh, busting in a window in their bathroom because they had a, a pump outside the um, the bathroom window. You know, it was a country house and had a, a pump shed outside of there. And, it, you know, you get on top of the pump shed and get into the window, you know, closer. And he brought busted that out and came right into the living room. When they're all huddled up in there and he had his gun out by then, you know, because all the banging was going on. They didn't know what was going on. And he tries to grab Tim, the boy. That's right where he went to. He busts in there and tries to grab Tim. The guy shot him. And uh, um, he ended up, you know, leaving a big blood trail and getting out of there, um, back through the window. He didn't just die right away. So, Do you know how many times they shot him? Once. Just once? Okay. Um. But it was with a 30-30 at, you know, across from the living room. Yeah. So it did its damage. And um, coincidentally, the cops that were there were going like, look. And I remember this too. He was like about an inch or two away from the gas line to the stove where it went right through Mike, right through the wall, right through the kitchen. And almost went outside and hit the, you know, the big gas wow. thing outside. Wow. And uh, I remember so much detail about that. And then they're going the anti-cam. The nanny cam. We watched the nanny cam and it got the babysitter stealing the freaking money. And it got the footage of Mike getting shot. Are you kinda, serious? Yeah, was got it from kind of like behind, you know, it was facing, you know, showed his butt, showed him coming in. And we watched that right in front of the, the cops that were there and stuff. And the government hadn't showed up yet. It was just the cops. Um, this, the state trooper was gone. It was just two local County cops and they were checking out all this stuff. And, uh, Tom, Tim's dad was telling my dad about, you know, exactly what happened. And I'm listening and looking around and they are going like, Tim's out in the cornfield crying, uh, bawling his eyes out because his friend got shot. And he was, this kid comes back and he was eight or nine years old, cussing his dad out. You didn't have to shoot him. He would have never hurt me. And just screaming and yelling at him. Just like I've never seen him before. That kid was in love with that Sasquatch, And uh, they eventually take off. Um the the family doesn't that the father stays there. The government gets there and starts talking to him. Um I gotta leave to go to the hospital and get my stitches and uh I return the next day or I mean I return home and the next day um the the family's gone in time. The father calls me up and says, this is early in the morning. He says, um Well, the government's going to come back, but I went and he went, the crook ran right behind the house. He was going like, I found the body. They couldn't find it because by the time they got there, it was dark Mm. and they were going to come back. The government was going to come back with uh, bloodhounds in the morning, which they did. But he had called me up before the government got there and he says, I found your hairy friend in the creek out back. You want to come see him before I turn him in? And I said, yeah, sure. So I started walking down there in the morning, told my parents, I got down there and, uh, the neighbor kid, Brad, I think he was like uh, 12 or 13, he was in junior high already, met me at uh, um, the boy Tim's house, uh, you know, the father was Tom, and he's like, he's not here, he's over at our house. And uh, just the just the one boy, uh, uh, Brad was there, and uh, the rest of the family was gone except for the father, school shopping again. So it was just those two and, and uh, Tim's dad, and they had heard all the, the commotion the night before, but they didn't know what it was. And I get up to, over to the neighbor's house and the neighbor's house sits up on a, on a big hill and it overlooks the, the other neighbor's house. And they had a pole bar behind there with the picnic table and they had Mike's body stretched out on the picnic table there and they're looking it over.
0: Who, who's looking them over?
1: Um, um, this would be, uh, Tim's dad, the two fathers uh, the neighbor father, uh, which is, um, his name is Bill. I can't tell you his last name. Um, even though he's deceased, the the kids are still alive and, uh, I just—I'd I'd really love to mention her last name because they—no,
0: okay. no, yeah, I don't—I don't want I don't to. What wanna, they, yeah. they did to me
1: after this, just like—and they're still—they—they've set out to you know like trying to ruin my life, like for decades. I'll get to that, but um, the body's laying out there. I get over there and uh, they're checking it out, and uh, there's a line of bushes alongside of the pole barn. That's a uh, um the um picnic table sitting next to. And we started examining the body, and the first thing they look at um, were the—they opened the teeth, you know, or opened the mouth and looked at the teeth. And when they opened the jaw and slid it down, you know, we are looking at the teeth, um, and the gums were like like a dog's gums, like the pink and black. Yeah. There's, there's multiple colored uh, pink and black like that with spots, although the tongue was black. But all the teeth were um, blocky like a Neanderthal because that's actually what— I'll get to that, but that's actually what the Native Americans told me what they are is a Neanderthal-type thing. Um, I don't know if they're exactly Neanderthals or the way they explain it. It sounds like exactly what, the, what it is, and uh, I'll get to that. Um, the teeth in the far back on the upper part of the jaw, which I do not think were connected to the skull um, like normal teeth, slid down when you slid. The jaw down like this, these teeth back here would slide down, and they're big, like, canine looking things. So, as the bottom jaw would go down, these things would protrude out? Yep. Okay, almost like a reflex. Yep. Okay. While well, it was dead still. They would move down with the jaw, but they didn't, They weren't attached to, like, the, the skull. They're, and they sat back behind these teeth back here, way back here, like they weren't really they're doing anything, but these sorry these people thought oh my god you know people got to know about this this is dangerous and yeah well you saved my son's life and all this stuff they said you know from trying to get him away from him but uh they decided they were gonna the the other family the second family um the family that didn't know what happened and they were at school shopping yeah okay this man okay okay th- these two families decided uh, these two guys decided they were gonna keep the body. At that point, and take pictures of it. the 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 second family with uh Bill and Brad, not Tom, and Tim. So I "If I could use their last names, it'd be less confusing." <laughs> yeah. Um
0: We got like five Mikes, I a couple know, of Sams. You know, you know,
1: I, everybody was named like the same back there, and it was <laughs> a bunch of Randys and Mikes. I couldn't even tell you how many Dugs and freaking Bobs I knew. <laughs> I believe it. That's why people have such weird names now folks is because all that crap it was really confusing to have five mics and for, so your generation grew up and like we're going to be a little bit more creative with, yeah. the <laughs> kid, with the kids names um but uh as we're checking it out um the adults showed up and they 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 started screaming and stuff like that um, before we did anything with the body and uh the one guy bill wet his pants and uh the other boy and i uh ran back to the house and those two guys were standing there for some reason Tom had brought his gun, and he picked up his gun and started shooting at you know in the air that, and drove the adult Sasquatch away. And me and the other boy are already up to the house, ready to go in the house. Okay, so we uh, all right. So I, I just need to clarify here again. Uh, you said adult Sasquatch. The
0: adult Sasquatch were there.
1: Yeah, they showed up when the the body was on the table.
0: And, and so, so okay. I need to. I need to. <laughs> I I, 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 I got to clarify this so that I can keep it all straight in my head. Um. Who were the humans present at this moment, and, and, and when the when the adult sas, sasquatch show
1: up? Okay, these are two different neighbor families. Okay, and the two fathers from each neighbor family. So, so Tim's dad, yep, and the other the other Brad's, father. Brad's father, whose name was Bill. The other those were okay. the two neighbors and so myself. Tim, so, so three humans that were there. Right, where was Tim? Tim was gone with the rest of the family, like I told you. The okay, night. school Before, shopping. His, no, oh, no, they, they, left they left after That's that right. because. Yeah. They took whole family away because they had no idea if they would come back and yeah, start sure. banging on the house, and and Tom had to be there, the father, because the government was going to show up the next day with the bloodhounds, and they had to talk. We ended up, you know, they had to come up and talk to me too. I did a whole, you know, a whole long interview the next day with them, and uh, you know, Tom spent the whole day with them, um, and I'll get to that. They show up when the when Mike spread out on the um, the juvenile Sasquatch on the picnic table and start screaming and scare the the other adult uh, Bill and he wets his brand new t- track suit he just got the next day and he, gotcha. he tells everybody, never tell anybody about this. <laughs> Damn straight I'm going to tell everybody <laughs> about it. But uh, um, after uh, Tom drove him away with a gun, uh, Bill immediately gets his tractor and plows that freaking line of bushes away so they can't come back. I mean, immediately just starts up his tractor and plows, a, hit a big tractor and took out those things. Then when we get back to looking at the Sasquatch, he tells uh, Brad to go inside. They happen to be photographers and have their own dark room. You know, it back then it was film. He says, go get your cameras. We're going to make the alien autopsy look like nothing. Mm. And uh, they proceeded to take pictures, a bunch of pictures of him, and then decided to cut him open. And uh, he had his hunting knife, and uh, Bill cut him open, and his guts fell out all over the place. That's probably because he's in the water. I immediately puked and I'm, I'm used to like hunting and my dad was a hunter and he would, you know, skin rabbits and, you know, got deer and all that stuff in front of me. But this was just something totally different and it smelled awful and I, it didn't feel right. And I threw up and uh, I was getting really kind of upset and the one neighbor didn't like me much anyway. And he's going, well, why even have him down here? He's just going to rat us out. I wasn't going to rat him. I would never do that. He didn't know I was, well, he knew I was Sicilian, but like, uh, he hated Italians I'll get into that later, but um, <laughs> <laughs> we're going all over. I places. never, I never, I never, <laughs> I never got such racial things about being Italian as I did then that year and mm. my neighbors. It was just bizarre because I didn't. I thought you know, this racial hatred was you know, I didn't know Italians were involved, but <laughs> anyway, um, they started dissecting them more and more, and after I threw up, uh, uh Tom. Tim's dad goes like, Randy, at least come over here and look at this. And uh, I got to look at the heart, and uh, they explained the the lungs a little bit. Uh, um, I can tell you what they were saying back and forth, but I didn't look that much. Um, the Bill, you know, they're both hunters, uh, so they knew what they were talking about. And Bill, uh, the other guy's going like, wait, here's his, here's his penis, but there's no genitalia. Where is it? Oh, wait, and it's in his pelvis. It's not hanging out. Uh-huh. They said his just the penis and the, the 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 genitalia were up inside their pelvis like a gorilla and just the penis would hang out. That's what he said because they thought it was a girl at first. And uh it had two sets of lungs, two voice boxes, and the lungs filled up like from here to here and went over the top of the liver and everything. And they explained that, but they pulled his heart up enough to see the they it took a pen out and stuck it in the the um the, the wound that went right through his, his heart from the bottom uh, which would be his left side up through the, the top it came out on his right side but the weirdest thing was it was a two chamber heart almost like he's going like is there two hearts in here all this is one heart with two chambers and it was it had like a second heart like it was half the size of the, the bigger heart and I think that's what made him be able to get out of the house before he completely bled out mm-hmm. and uh about that time they decided that I had to leave because uh, they didn't trust me anymore and the government guys were pulling in with the the dogs at the house next door, You could see them from down the hill. And they had the bloodhounds down there and they're going like what are we going to do with this thing? You know, we can't hide it now and they just happened to have a, a grave dug for their horses that died of that PBB poisoning. The horses were dying as well as the cows. And the state would allow you to putting them in a shallow grave to keep the bugs off them until they can't pick them up. And they already had the grave dug. And uh, they're going to put the Mike's body in there. They put lime on top of it. I don't know why. Dissolve it. I don't know what. They chopped his right arm off at the forearm and put it in a bucket in the, in the pole barn before I left. And they started filling in the hole and putting the horses on. When I left down to go distract John Redcorn and the other people, that's what they sent me down there for. And uh, I went down there and I talked to him and I, I, I did distract him and he goes like, uh, well, what are you doing down here? I was just talking to Tom, you know, Tim's dad and blah, blah, blah. And, um, well, I got to give you a ride up to your house. I got to talk to you about this anyway. So it got him away from the house. Um, you know, we had to do a lot of interviews and talking like that. And they had, no, the government had no idea that they had the body up there at the time. What happened uh the Labor Day weekend went by. They developed the pictures over the weekend. The one boy that was like twelve or thirteen, I think he was in seventh grade, however old that is the probably twelve he took the pictures to school. They told us not to talk about it after the government left. says, so "Don't talk about it. They didn't have any you know all they said was, "We'll do something about it if you talk about it. And we were just thought they were joking, and that's how I knew uh like when I drew the picture of uh the what happened in their house. The neighbor's house um with him and his family i knew exactly where everybody was because i went down there but they were their position in there they told me and the next day we're talking about it at the school in the, the school bus and well like i was here i was there this was happening and i, I knew where everybody was when i drew it and uh um and then he brings the pictures to school he gets caught with them um uh the biology teacher did something, and I get called down to the principal's office. And I'm in elementary school, and I go down to the, the elementary school office, and and Brad's sitting there. Where it's he's in junior high, and he's like, "You say anything, I'm going to kick your ass." And I could have said anything, and I never did. But they bring out, you know, they took a picture of me when they were taking pictures. They took a, a picture of Bill, uh Tom, and I because Brad was taking the picture with holding the body up, and they saw that picture, and they're going like, "Well, this is him." You know, and they sent me back to class and didn't think there'd be anything more about it. And I went and through the whole day, you know, you getting the um, the school bus and we go home and the, and the school bus would go by their houses first. And they get off and they had uh, two cleaning vans, carpet cleaning vans. And I actually got the company right too, because I remembered the logo and everything. I even called the company up and tried to find records of it, but they weren't cooperate. But the picture that I drew is the actual, the vans that showed up and the actual company that what, what happened was um we went to those two houses. There's two cleaning vans in each of those houses. And the, the bus drivers go, oh, you guys are partying a lot over that freaking holiday weekend. Oh, boy. You know, and I thought, well, maybe they did have a party on Sunday. I wasn't down here on Sunday. You know, it wasn't. And the kids got off the bus at the same time. I didn't get to, you know, talk to them about why there's cleaning vans. I get up to my house, there's cleaning vans of the same thing up there. You know, two of them. And I'm like, I, I'm 10 years old, and going like something's not right. Especially when I get off the school bus. I took about three steps towards my house. My house wasn't too far from the road, and the sh- the, cut- the curtains closed. There were shades actually. Like, as you approached your house, approached my house, and I could see silhouettes of several people in there. And I thought, well, maybe they're just cleaning. Something's going on. And like I, I get up alongside of these vans, and I can see in my kitchen window there was National Guard in there. I could see their, you know, see them clearly. I just ran i ran like hell but they came out of the house and tackled me brought me back in were your parents home yeah my parents were being held at gunpoint at Uh, gunpoint they were there turns out they were there all day with the neighbors questioning them and they couldn't get anywhere and this guy john redcorn or his name is jerry he was uh didn't really upset because he couldn't get anything from the other people and he thought my dad and i were involved in hiding the body so he went up there and uh after he'd spent the whole day trying to drill the other guys and like that was another thing. Is my dad was home from work that day, I knew something was wrong, his car was in there, and you know he they somehow they got him you know out of work and home, and same thing with Tom and bill their cars were there, and it, you know that's another another thing that you know stuck out, and uh they dragged me in there, and there's a whole bunch of national guard in there and uh you know um Tom. And uh the other guy's uh Bill, my neighbor, that is supposed to don't say anything. They're just gonna question you, you know, and just don't say anything. they the guy's gonna let go, you know, he's questioning me, he's going like, I'm not a cop. He's going like, you just can't sit there and be quiet. This is not gonna work with me. You know, after he started questioning, he was getting pissed off. And uh he he goes outside and he comes back from his car with a briefcase, a black briefcase, and he sets it down, he opens up and it's Um, got a whole bunch of needles and sodium pentothal in there and, uh, you know, I just still thinking he's using his scare tactic. He has me taped down to a chair with my dad's duct tape and he's questioned me Has my parents in another room at gunpoint and he dragged them off and, uh, there's three national guard behind me. And then there's three over on that side of the room and the, and the one guy, um, agent Jerry. I'll tell you about him later. I can tell you his whole career. Um, <laughs> he uh, tries to go along with the procedure, and uh, I'm starting to freak out when he's, when he's, uh, he's uh, actually going to go along with this uh, Sonya file thing. And three of the National Guardsmen are like, oh, wait a minute, what the hell are you doing? And they're going like, I'm going to do what I want, and you're you know, under orders. And they're going like, they drew guns on the guy. Three of them did. And then all of a sudden, they all drew guns on each other there was more bad guys than there was good guys. And they took the three national guard out of there. And they're going like, fight, fight, fight. The whole way they're getting pulled out of there. You know, they threw them in the van and took them off. They were telling you to fight? Yeah. And, uh, they took those guys away from there in one of the cleaning vans. So we're down to one cleaning van and, uh, just three national guard and, uh, Jerry, the, the native American agent, a Cherokee, um, I'll get get into that in a minute, but, uh, well, he shoots me up finally with this stuff and he lets it take effect and just sits me there and he, I still won't say a thing. I'm still taped up and he's going like, I got an idea. He's going to like grab him and they left me taped up on my, because they knew I'd run, left my hands and, and arms taped up with duct tape, grabbed me by my shoulders, took me in the moving van and took me down to the neighbors where they had, uh, the two other adults down there and the the one boy, uh, Brad, down there, and that's all I had. They're questioning them, and there's more National Guard with guns down there, and uh, by this time I'm feeling pretty drunk <laughs> and drugged up, and I get down there, and they're still asking me, oh, where's the body, where's the body? And, like, I still wouldn't say anything, but I looked over at Tom, and Tom goes, what in the hell did you do to him? Did you drug him up? And he's, like, getting pissed off, and they'd, put guns in his face and when i looked over him they looked and they saw the picnic was flipped over there and he's like i got dirt over here i got dirt like they couldn't find it the whole damn time it really pisses me off like how can you not see that like i had to bring and, they, and they're going it's like you just rattled us out the kid going going i gotta kick your ass and stuff and they found the body pulled it up with a and they used his freaking uh tractor to pull that up too and they they found everything, and, and uh, they took me up to my house, and uh, they had to wait for a car. They were going to take me in to have me hypnotized right then and there, but they all they had were cleaning vans, so they had to call and order a car. I told you this was a long story. That's no, fine. Well, him and the other Native Americans, uh, there was two that they had called from uh, the local tribes, Gun Lake Tribe and a uh, little band of uh, Ottawa tribe from uh, Manistee because the area that, you know, the the boy got taken at was uh, Native American land, which, uh, it, you know, it's a state land. But if they find, the government would find a, a Sasquatch or something like that, they would immediately contact the freaking the Native Americans that were, you know, that used to be their land. And these two tribes had split up. The Potawatomi tribes had split up a long time ago as white man was moving further north. And they just kept on moving up further north. So they had uh, two tribes that were involved that had uh, something to do with the body. And uh, they were there. So they started talking to one another at the table. Okay. So there were two tribes involved in getting rid of the body? Um, Two tribes involved. um, I don't know why they had them involved. So we're talking about National Guard, right?
0: Right. Bad guys that aren't National Guard. Yeah, but all the all the agents were all Native American. Gotcha. So the bad guys were Native American agents. Well, I wouldn't call them bad guys.
1: Well, directly. you did, They've, right? Like you way, said, good guys, bad guys. Guy, the one guy Jerry was way off. The you know, way he got—I'll get to that—but he got let go for all. Okay, of what he did. But
0: I'm just trying to—I'm trying to keep everything straight in my head. So, so we got National Guard and Native tribe,
1: uh, right? But when I was back in my house, it was just the the Native Americans and. Uh, me and waiting for the car they're talking to each okay. other about the case and they look over at me and go like uh i'm all drugged up but i'm listening to everything they say and i'm over in the corner and drooling They're like well what about him you know what we're talking about sensitive is he gonna run oh, no, or he's gonna bring hypnotized i'll never remember any of this but they kept on talking i remember every i i think i remember so much because like they immediately took me in and had me hypnotized and i didn't have time to process any of it in my head. So like when that, those memories came back, they're like brand new. Almost like they were locked in time there. I felt like I woke up from a coma. Hmm. Like I woke up, like I went down as a little kid and I woke up decades later in this stupid old body and like remembered all that. That's how I felt. I mean, there was, there was a time I almost broke down to where like, I couldn't even comprehend how I got to from 1977 to the, you know, to 2014, mm. it was, it was that bad. And, uh, but you know, I got that sorted out and, uh, well, anyway, back to the, what they were talking about. Um, the first thing he brings out, you know, there wasn't any computers back then. Of course, everything was all just on paper and he brings the file out. He says that this is the fifth body that they had found, but it was the only, it was, well, at the time it was the first complete body that they had. Because he said that all the other ones were bits and pieces churned up by—one was churned up by, up by a, a, a a tractor with some tills on it, and uh, the other ones were rotted so bad they didn't have the whole spine and everything all connected, right? And that's what he was telling these uh, these other uh, Native Americans, and uh, he told them that they're Neanderthal. And uh, what else did he tell them? Oh— he, he pulls out the case file and it's written wrong. This is kind of important. Um, he said on the case file, it was written, um, I don't know who wrote it. I think it was his uh, assistant, I would guess. It said um, species number five. It was supposed to say specimen number five. And he started correcting. He's going like, I'm going to leave that on here and see if there's a leak. He left that on there. So I don't know if that's why people think there's five different species of them or it was supposed to be specimen number five, mm. but, um, just stupid little details like that. And, uh, let me see. What else did they talk about? I don't know. I don't hope I'm not going to forget anything. Um, the rest of the stuff they talked about was, I'll tell you later, they found out that I didn't have anything to do with taking the body. They, they started coming back and taking me, um, I don't know, squatching adventures and taking me to different, uh, yeah. Uh, they took term. you. Yes. Wow. I'll get to that in a minute. But um, this whole time they're talking, they're going on and on about um, I'm trying to remember some of the. Oh, okay. The the one uh, the one thing that they did was uh, the he was setting up the Caledonia Sportsman Club. This is kind of interesting too. This is a gun club there wasn't any kind of a gun club there. It was like a a fishing and gun club or something that these guys met somewhere and he organized them and got some land and he put it in where the, uh, um, where it's at right now to drive the Sasquatch out. That's what he said. Um, the reason to put that gun club in there right by where that boy, Mike was taken. That's if you want to find out the exact spot where that happened, go to the Caledonia gun club and go walk around there. You'll find everything. Um, So they talked about that, but the weird thing he talked about was uh, um, a case a a year or two earlier. And I I don't have a whole lot of details on this other than the area because he talked about the gun club that he opened up there. It was around Gull Lake, which was about 15 miles south of uh, where I live now, which wasn't really far for a Sasquatch to go. And uh, uh, he just kind of vaguely talked about another child being taken down there and them you know, developing another gun club down there, Kalamazoo Rod and gun club down there. And he organized them. They already had a gun club down there, but he made it bigger and better. Just didn't, that's what they did back then. That's, and it doesn't work, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll get to that later. But when I found out later, when I had my memory, uh, come back and I went back to that area, they're still there even when they're shooting the guns off. Wow. So they don't even care. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they care when it's hunting season and they know them in the woods, but they seem to be able to figure it out the people at the gun club are gonna shoot there and not, you know. Yeah. But um they took me in to get hypnotized, uh, uh shortly after they talked about all that. They took me into Grand Rapids over by the uh jail and the correctional facility over there and took me into a hypnotherapist and and started the procedure and at a certain point in time the hypnotherapist figured out there wasn't about it was about Sasquatch and it wasn't about a person. And he started flipping out. You're you're doing this to this kid because this is about a freaking some monkey running around in the woods. And this happened quite often in this, this this government agent where he would just like make a phone call and just threaten the hell out of this guy. And he just finally went along with it. I don't know what kind of power he had. It was some sort of general or something like that would call these people. And, uh, because they, they did that with my, when I went down to get my stitches, um, that I told you about the doctor, them, they actually gave a card to my my dad. It's like, if anything happens, have the doctor call this. Because, you know, it was four. Like, this is a claw mark. Now, like the doctor goes right away. He's going like, this isn't an animal. This is a human. And he like, flipping flipping out. And we're going, my dad's like, here, call this. And, you know, he called that guy, Jerry. And all of a sudden, he was just like, okay. You know, <laughs> he didn't say anything. And I, I actually went tried to go find those records, too. And I couldn't find them. I even actually had a nurse go in the basement down there you and know, look through all the photodex files and stuff like that. She couldn't find anything either. But you know, they had uh, a long time to cover everything up. I found their tracks, though. I, I get to that later. I mean, they stole microfiche, um, newspaper articles in the in the the um, the the news footage, and i I found their I found their empty spots and their little notes they left behind. Wow! Took pictures. I, I mean, it took me years. I would go. I went down to the state of Michigan. I went down to like all the local newspapers, looked through all their microfiche and all their, all their leftover newspapers I had for years. I would spend hours and hours a day doing that just to find all the evidence. And uh, anyway, they get me in there and they they get me hypnotized. Um, Somehow the neighbor kids find out that I got hypnotized. They took advantage of that because they weren't brought in yet to be hypnotized for, I don't know what the period of time was maybe a week or so, maybe two weeks. But their dads got arrested for, you know, hiding the body. And uh, Hold they, on. They got arrested for hiding the body? Yes. They, What's the charges? I mean, the the charges was, the, the, the newspaper article for the court hearing for the one guy, was it was called uh, um, hiding, a, or, you know, burying and disposal of a wild animal. That's all it said. Well you can't you can't go into the woods it's it's kind of a legit thing you can't go in the woods and take a deer without a license sure it's the same thing they think that you know Sasquatch are like all the animals in the woods and they belong to the government and you can't kill one of them without a license so that's what they charged them with which wasn't a big charge but yeah all the kids were mad that their their dads got taken away they yeah. beat the ever living crap out of me the next day in the bus I mean and they knew I was hypnotized I don't even know what they were even talking about you know. They knew you were hypnotized? They knew I was hypnotized. to forget about it and they still beat the crap out of me. Every day, they would like lie to all the kids in school. They made my life a living. freaking hell. They, even the government agent later told them he was like, you should put him in another school and my dad wouldn't do it and he, he didn't care. He he blamed me for everything that happened and hated me ever since. Who? My dad. Your dad did? Yeah. Your dad hated you? Oh, yeah. I haven't talked since I was 13 after that. Really? Like, I get to that, but I'm, he blamed me, you know, because they took my mom, they, you know, and when she came back, she was abusive before. She was just a nightmare when she came back. She wasn't even the same person, and that happens to some of the people that get hematized. They just don't deal with it well. Um, uh, they took me back. They, you know, I had to deal with all those kids uh, harassing me, beating the crap out of me. I didn't have any friends left in school. That went all the way through junior high and high school. Um, they, the Native Americans found out, you know, they didn't have anything to do with uh, actually taking the body. It wasn't my idea. So they started getting a little bit more friendly with me. And when they found uh, the pictures, you know, they went and found the body and they found the pictures in the dark room. They found, this is something I've never talked about either because I tried to protect these families. But uh, these families have been nothing but torture me. They, they They tortured me even just recently when I worked at the county. 20 ra- years ago they were working at the county and they got me fired working at the county i didn't know why they were so seeking me out and trying to oh they they had an agenda like ruining my life for you know i never knew about it I, i'd i'd rather keep last names out of it just for I'd legal sending,
0: per- did I? no no no, <laughs> no uh what was well, since we're on the topic uh mike Carn is that somebody that's okay to have the last name in? because i just don't yeah, want to be sued really for like defamation to find him.
1: he isn't gonna sue us or anything okay um Mike and Russell, uh, I already told them about it. Um, um, the Mike K, the other kid that I went to the um, the woods with, I found out I was talking to for years, and he was giving me all sorts of false information. Mm, okay, and I'm kind of wondering. I just dropped him. I was going like after, after so many lies, I just like I just told him to go to hell. <laughs> I never talked to him again. And mm-hmm. uh, I was talking to Tom for a long time too. And then I figured That's out That's Tim's dad, right? Yep. I yeah. was I was telling him everything that was going on until I started figuring stuff out too. And I I wanted I told him I wanted I I can show you that I got a, even on my phone. I am talking to me the last time he talked to me. I said, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull the plug in this one or or whatever you want to call it. I'm gonna name names. And he goes, Well, you can't threaten my friends and family and all this and blah, blah, blah. And I said, Sue me! I dare you! I I have so much stuff on you and your family. You wouldn't even know. You would never ever get out of it, <laughs> and wow. they won't. And the agents, I have, I have everything on the agents. I have addresses. I have names. I have you know all the wonderful things that they did. But um, let me see where was I in this story? Um, they found pictures when they went to find the pictures of the Sasquatch in the dark room. They found other pictures of neighborhood kids that were naked that's what they're holding over them um and i'm not supposed to talk about them and uh or that and uh so there's the more other things that that went on with these these uh, couple sexually delinquent freaking uh the older boy and uh another older tim's older brother and the one brad kid and, the stuff they did to kids and tried to do it to me and other kids in junior high and stuff that brought the brought the uh freaking government back in because uh they were kind of watching over us for a few years and uh mm. but um that's another story that's just my little hell um they uh, I don't even know what the time frame was when they started uh, these two local um the two local um tribal people, guys, um, one's, one's name was, um, John and the other one's name was, uh, oh my God, they all start with J's. You ah, need a break or something here in a minute. Um, it's fine. But both of them, uh, started coming around. Uh, the first thing I remember was them picking me up. Not, I'm not knowing why they picked me up and let my parents oh, would always let me go with them. Um, we're gonna go uh bury the ashes of your friend They said i'm like what are you talking about i had no clue what they're talking about they took me back to that spot where um the boy got taken and they had the ashes um from the hand supposedly that this this guy jerry had made and sent these other two uh guys with them and just spread the ashes and had a little little indian parallel powwow ceremony where they had uh, a drum and feathers and all that stuff. And they made, they went through the whole nine yards with that thing. And you know, they take Sasquatch very, very seriously. Yeah. And, uh, they kept on coming back and they would take me, uh, out squatching, I guess you would call it. And, uh, they would do that in between some of the other local tribes, like the Chippewa tribe, both by, um, uh, up North of us and, uh, and a bunch of other tribes in the UP. They took me to all of them. And that's why I know, with Their Neanderthal. They would repeat the story over and tell the tribes that, that you know, we found this body. It belongs to us. And like mm. this is the this is what they told them. They said it was the you know the first complete body, and that it's going to have a scientific name behind it. Then it'll never come to light because of what the the other people did. Because they those the the scientific name supposedly for Sasquatch is the the scientific name for Neanderthal, followed by those three those other two families and my last name, very last. That's what they told me. I don't know if they're they're blind or not, if they wanted to tell me that as a kid to keep me, you know, from not talking. I don't know. I don't you know, they're never gonna seem to come out with this. But uh you know, the other families uh been trying to hide it the whole damn time and that's why. Um and uh this guy Tom and actually worked with me at the county and, and uh he was a commissioner and uh I was uh, I was just a Know, maintenance worker there, and, and he just made my life a living hell. Um, got me fired from my job, and I finally figured it out who did it and stuff like that. And then, but um, that's that story, I think. I don't think I missed anything this time. How long has it been?
0: <laughs> well, uh, we are over three hours. Or, yeah, we're working on the third hour now. So it's been two oh. full hours. Uh, no, but it's fine. Uh, <laughs> listen, um, that is an incredible. Uh, story. Uh, it's incredible how it's come together. You recalling it, um, and it, this is literally like a halfway point because now you shared your your memories from your childhood, how this all started, and there's a whole other side of this now as an adult. You tracking these things down and stuff. I mean, intertwining like it seems like from what I I've gathered, there's people still trying to hide the truth, and there's still and there's you trying to f- uncover the truth. And, uh I, I let's let's take a break okay good and uh we' we'll let's go out and get some lunch and then we'll come back and then uh we'll do the overtime where we'll just do more conversation and have you share uh what you've been uncovering since uh this memory dump has it's almost like yeah. a download's been dumped into your brain
1: so yeah, it's 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 it's, it's kind of awful yeah I mean it, I can't tell you how much torment they put me through through high school and, and through junior high and stuff. It was, it was absolutely awful. I don't even want to tell you. There, there was an incident and they tried pulling some sexual stuff on some other kid in the shower, and uh, they tried it with me the day before. This was in junior high, and uh, it didn't pan out too much. <laughs> but somehow they knew it happened um, because this other kid, they tried something with him and they ended up breaking his leg in the shower. Wow. And, uh, it just blew up from there. The, those, those two kids, uh, the two older kids got, um, got sent to detention or something like that. Like, um, like a lockup, you know, out of school for months. Um, it was, it was, it, it was, it was like, God, it was like so many years of my life that that just took up and, uh. It was so awful because it, you know, like my mom came back and my sister, I had a sister the whole time. The first time that it happened, she was gone at her friends because it was Labor Day weekend and she was staying at her friends before she went to school. So she didn't see that and they kept it out of her and went or kept her out of it because they didn't want her get hematized either. And they actually kind of liked her because she looked like an Indian girl. That's what they told me. But, uh, <laughs> they, uh, they would call my aunt up and have her go out for pizza when they would come over and talk to me. So my sister... Was out of the loop to begin with, and they kept her out of it. And they and there was um, another girl down the road, the uh, Brad's sister. They kept her out of the loop too, so they didn't have to have her hypnotized. You know, because that can really go screwy. Um, yeah. And let me tell you, having 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 all these memories come back, it, it was literally like waking up from a coma. And, it just, and and just to go, like, oh my god, my whole freaking life was ruined. By all these issues that I had of trust issues and all these things that got destroyed and and it was all because of that and it's just like uh of course that gave me the they gave me the the will to uh not have fear with them too because i just honestly when i first started researching when i i'll I'll make this short when i started researching i'd have to have somebody go with me i was scared you know to be out in the woods alone with them because i didn't know what they were going to do until i you know had a, a clue that they weren't That, you know, because a lot of things that they do, like, you know, the way they stalk you and the way they, you know, seems threatening, it seems threatening, but it's for their own safety. And, and I didn't know that. And when I, for even when I first started, but, um, it was a big learning curve. I'll get to that. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, let's take a
0: break and, uh, and head on over to lunch and then we will do the second half for the overtime with the members here. Uh, Randy, before we get out of here, let people know again about your, uh, your, any,
1: anything you want to promote your, your research organization or anything you'd like to promote your YouTube or whatever. Still, uh, you know, promoting Midwest Bigfoot researchers. Um, and I'm on YouTube, but, uh, you know, I don't think it's the greatest name is what I started off with and what, you know, people are going to recognize me with. So I just kept it that way. Well, that's episode 500. I really hope you
0: enjoyed it. I know I certainly enjoyed sitting down with Randy and talking to him about his story. Finally, on The Confessionals, if you want to check out his links, they are in the description below. Speaking of links in the description below, I added a link down there. It is a Linktree link. For all the equipment I use in my studio, not all the equipment, but a lot of the equipment, and I'll add more as time goes on. But a lot of people over time have asked me, over the last 500 episodes, people have asked me, What do you use for XYZ? And I always wind up telling them, or I forget to tell them, or I don't have time to answer that email. Well, listen, from here moving forward, if you are curious about, Equipment and what I use, just go to the Linktree link in the description in the episodes. It'll be all right there for you. Every episode I put out moving forward will have that link, so you can just click it. Oh, he uses a Sure SM7B. Check. Oh, he uses a Rodecaster too. Check. Oh, he uses a Mac. Check. Oh, he uses his camera, the wires, the cables, the mounts. Everything is right there. If you're interested, if you've been trying to aspire to be a podcaster, or you just are curious, go ahead and check that out. The link tree is in the description. Finally, after 500 episodes, I got a concise list for you guys, and it will grow over time as I obviously add to it. All right, friends, listen episode 500 came and went. I hope you enjoyed. it. If you want another three hours of a conversation, actually, I think it's like two and a half hours. Either way, over two hours of a conversation between me and Randy. If you want more of what you just heard, more details of the people who were covering things up, more of Randy's stories as an adult looking and researching for Bigfoot, his encounters as an adult, that's all in the overtime segment right now. So if you're a member, you have access to that. If you're not a member, you can always become a member, or you can just be left to curiosity. Either way, I really appreciate you listening to this episode 500. And until next week, stay safe, take care, and remember, the truth will set you free, but first, it'll piss you off. Bye. 6-3
2: 6-3 Nicola No order particularly Delorean dreams of the crack out But we know the crack gon' sell So if it's a fair But don't work well I wasn't hand When Reagan was a cartel a ball Do I rap? Do I sing? Do I preach? I don't know Do I lack anything Via love? No I don't But we gotta be a warrior too Cause that's just what warriors do Baby Just Clash on the road to Rome We're gladiators are broken But ain't no breaking us all yeah. They just want to take the, era, cool. Download the air And cut down low to air Set the chopper I'm a rubber like hair Double helix intravenix with Jesus I'm a chimera Looking at these golden years Flying by by fair force They cutting it off of the food too Analytics they used to recruit you yeah painting that sets on your sons. You. They don't want an individual just to carve a copy True spitting Woo. that manicotti, yeah I'm talking saucy Woo. All they want to build is a prison world full of pet time Like a kamikaze, got me out of body like I'm Goku SS3 Woo. They want to push me to the center like I cell. they want to up at the center of the nexus is me yeah, yeah. They want me